Welcome back to the Faith Family Freedom Podcast. My name is Sean, and with me today is Davey. How's it going, Davey? I'm good, Sean. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's so awesome. Since the last time, it went so great. Let's do this again. Very cool. Well, so... Let me get let me get comfy here so we can kind of face each other a little bit. So I don't mess the thing up. Yeah. Like I did last time. <laughs> that was embarrassing. That's all right. But I did a good job of patching it together. So. Yeah. So what's new, buddy? Well, not a whole lot. I'm uh, um, since the last podcast um, or last time we sat and chatted, um, which was the last podcast you you pushed. Um, well, I, no, it wasn't. You've, you've dropped some since then, but the last one that we did. Um, yeah. My separation from the fire department has been completed um, as far as uh, formally separated. My, my last day of employment was uh, November 22nd at the end of business. So, so do you consider yourself like a free agent or more like a prosecuted being right now? Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, yes to both. Um, so th- yeah, I mean, the the process went pretty much as as we had expected. Um, when I say we, the, those of us that were in my position, and then also my my wife and I, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, being a represented and and part of the representation agreements, uh, the, the the collective bargaining agreement. We had a, a what's called a louder mill hearing um, for people that are that are union represented or are familiar with that. You know what that is. Uh, but it's it's a form of an exit interview where you get to actually have, um, in some regard, I'm not 100% familiar with, with all the rules of what, what a Loudermill is, but it was basically an exit interview over Zoom with, uh, with the fire chief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, my guess is that that's rooted in the opportunity to face your accuser or, or actually have... Um, but they're really using... But with the fire chief isn't really the accuser. Right. And that's why, you know, the whole accuser thing, it's like, you know, you're, you get a, you get a, a face-to-face opportunity with the person with the, where the buck stops. Okay. Right. I, maybe, maybe facing your accuser was the wrong verbiage, but yeah, kind of, you know, the, the buck stops Somewhere. with, with them. Yeah. Right. So whoever the boss is and, and you get that opportunity to have that, that meeting. What a position it must be for him to have to be the guy to face everybody. And probably, I would say he probably doesn't even agree with, with it in the first place. You know, it's hard telling. Um, it's hard telling what he agrees with or not. Um, is he more on the political side of things? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Very, very, very much so. Um, he's a, he's a political, he's a very, very astute political being. Um, the appearances are that he's viewing, um, our fire department or what was my fire department as, as a stepping stone to something bigger. Right. Which means that, um, you know, one of the things when it comes to leadership is I, I'm a big believer in your, your first and foremost, you're accountable to the people that you lead. And, and then you're accountable to the people that you report to. Um, the, the finest leaders, you know, in, in some of the highest stress positions, um, the people that performed the best, they they took on some level of that perspective, and that's why they were revered. Um, that's why they they were followed so um, so well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So now you're not with the fire department anymore. Yeah. Are you working? Um, sort of. Um, I'm. 
repairing some stuff in the around the house that yeah, was an insurance loss job. So I'm I'm it's quote a job. You know, I'm, I'm getting paid to do the work. It's not just like I'm, you know, painting for the heck of it or something like that. And it was a pretty big issue. So getting that taken care of and, and that's coming to a close pretty quick. Um, I've been blessed with a couple of people that I know have, have approached me with some potential opportunities and we're considering them. Um, my initial plan was um, and has been to, um, in some capacity, to return back to the contracting world. Um, because that's what I'm familiar with. I've got a lot of skills and most of the tools that, that I've been doing that since I was, you're going to laugh and roll your eyes, but I've been doing it since I was five, you know? No, I'm not going to laugh because I've seen some of the stuff you've whipped up on short notice and I've been pretty impressed with it. Oh, thanks. So reorganized the trailer Mm -hmm. and then built the, what was that big thing we built for the class that was the giant sawhorse for the. You're talking about that one? Yeah. Yeah, that was the sawhorse for the uh, um, the shooting from retention yeah. um, drill. You know, it's it's in, you know we hang a sacrificial heavy bag and and people get a chance to actually you know it's a target that moves a little bit because we we suspend it you know pretty securely from the top, but then we we also kind of weight it down at the bottom too, so it it moves but it doesn't move quite as freely as a bag that's just swinging, and then lets them. Um, yeah, you do professional work. No, no doubt about that. No, oh, thanks. So, yeah, that was, um, yeah, something we cooked up after reviewing some stuff and, and going, hey, how can we how can we step up the game and, and give our students a better a better experience overall, right? So, um, yeah, I'll I'll probably go back to that. Um, and you know, I was raised <clears throat> I was raised doing it, which is why I say I've been doing it since I was five. Um, and, you know, we've, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not nervous about it. It's, there, there's a nervousness. I mean, it's like, gosh, I got to. You're getting in back to a ring that you haven't been in in a while. And I, I get, I get it. Yeah. I think about that too. Like if I ever got laid off from Boeing. Right. Like I'd have to go, I'd, I'd have to go bust my hump again to prove that I can work. You know? Right. And I'm older. Yeah. I'm older and I'm I'm not in the bed. I'm, I'm like I feel like evil can evil now. After, oh yeah. After he survived a few crashes. Right. Um. I've had fourteen surgeries. <laughs> man, I have not had any surgeries, but I feel like they're coming up. Oh yeah. Like they're on the calendar. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you, you know, when when people tell me that, you know, having been through so many of them, I'll I'll share this with you. It's my personal opinion that if you if you need one, mm-hmm. don't put it off. Yeah. Because the younger you are, the easier you are you, the better you heal. Okay. Um, two, your quality of life is really poopy before if you need a surgery because something's broken. Your quality of life is really poor. Right. So if they can fix it, um, and and you can heal quicker and and you can, um, return and restore that quality of life that much sooner. Um, it's more work on the front end, but your back end's better. True. You know, I, I think if anything, I'll probably have to do a hip surgery. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. When I was I was out duck hunting the other day, mm-hmm. and we walked a long, a long day. Yeah, yeah. Farm ditches, and and for some reason, my injuries on the right side, but my left side was just aching. Oh, you got a whack. Yeah, so I was out of whack. Right. But then the next day, when I got up, I couldn't like lift up, and it was. Like the sharp, excuse pain. me, 
the, you know, it was the sharp stabby pain in the foot. Yep. In the, in the, in the joint socket. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I really messed myself up. But on the other scale today, it feels a lot better as if it never happened. So I'm slowly healing from this still. And there's going to be times where I hope right. to do it and I, I'm going to pay for it. Sure. But I think the healing process kicks back in. In a sense yeah. that uh, he hasn't heard, he hasn't walked like this in a long time, especially since I kind of avoided things like uh, big hike hunts that right. I, I'd usually do or sure. hunting on my feet in general for a long periods of time. Right. So I got back in on Saturday and just put a good day in. Mm-hmm. But normally, I, you know, I don't know. I can't say I, I walk that much at work at one at one time. Right. Throughout the day, I know I walk more than that, but I have more rest periods. Sure. So, but I don't know. Something's going on, man. You know? Yeah, get it, oh, get I it looked at, and and get a you know find a quality doctor that you trust their judgment, and um, yeah. then you got to be the advocate for your own healthcare. Um, I had a good doctor who dealt <laughs> with this. He was really positive about my about not doing surgery right not doing these things saying you are going to heal from this you're not going to need surgery it's just going to take time because of where it is right and i was like okay he goes and if you have a ruptured disc in your back there's mm-hmm. not a lot you can do about it there's no real treatment for it unless they fuse it basically my understanding like isn't current technology it's it's fusing or nothing yeah and i don't want fusing well I had my back surgery when I was 36. You had and things fused? No, I, we did not. We the, the topic of discussion, the good news is we both the surgeon and I were, were approaching it from the same perspective. I mean, he's wiser, but it's my body. So I've got a vested interest, right? Right. Um, and it was like, hey, look, Doc, um, there's new technology coming down the pipe. I mean, theoretically, you know, 15, 20 years from now, you, you know, you might get a disc replacement as an office visit. He says, well, probably not, but I hear where you're going. So... Um, yeah, if we fuse it, one, at, at 36 years, you're, you're way too young for a fusion. Um, so he was able to trim the disc and, and trim the bone and, and give the nerve a little bit more room. Um, and while I'm, I'm not where I was before injury, I'm miles better than prior to surgery. And frankly, Sean, that's... That's 10 years ago that's been my surgery, 11 years, coming on 11 years ago. Yeah. I'm still improving. Wow. I'm still getting, now, it's incremental. You know, in the first couple of months, you're, you're like, you're feeling better and better, you know, by the day. And then, and then you know, it starts to slow down a little bit. It's like by the week. And then it's like, yeah. okay. And then it's by the month. And then. That's so funny. That, that's exactly what I went through. Yeah. When I was doing this. Because. Something sounds different. Yeah. There you go. Mic volume went down on me because of this thing. Oh. There we go. Now it's way up. Now it's way up. There, there you we go. go. There you go. When I did my injury, yeah. he, I was reporting back the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like from day to day, how I felt. And mm-hmm. then he's like, and I'm like, well, how are you doing now? I was like, well, it's way different now. It's like, I, I remember I was telling you how I was feeling from each visit. And sure. like, but now I don't notice a lot of difference in days as I do like months right. or weeks. So he's like, that's pretty normal. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I get that part. I feel like, um, 
and I feel like in the winter time is where I get like the the worst of it is when I start getting joints and aches sure. and stuff, you know. And I don't know why Mother Nature plays those tricks on us, but right, probably has something to do with circulation and how it works in the cold. Yeah, I, you know, uh, that's one of those questions I got for the big guy upstairs when when we get there is is because uh, I've heard enough people that that talk about that. Oh, my joints start to hurt when, when there's a barometer change or something like that. I believe it. I haven't experienced it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, which is frankly, I'm, I'm relieved because my primary, you know, my recreation activities that I really like are winter focused. So for me, it would be, you know, I'd be kind of bummed if, if the cold is really oh yeah cramping my style. The heat ruins my operating capability when it comes to things like early hunts. Mm-hmm. Like I would almost have to hunt in a loincloth in order to feel comfortable. Right. It's, it's, I don't like hunting early hunts. Right. I, I'm a winter hunter. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I get active in the winter. That's what happens. Right. That's when the fun happens. Um, I don't know. I'm finding a really new found love for duck hunting. It's oh, good. Brand new this year. So cool. Um, but it's a pain in the butt, and I'll tell you why. I don't yeah. have a dog. Yeah, <laughs> don't have a dog. I don't have a dog, and ditches from ditch crossing to ditch crossing can be like a quarter mile. Right. So it's like you shoot three ducks, and then you have to run or walk fast all the way back to the ditch crossing, and then walk all the way back to where you shot the birds. And then you have to find them because now they're like huddled up in the bushes right? trying to get back down into the ditch because they want to drown themselves pretty much. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they're weird. They'd rather go dive and in, back into the water. I guess it's comforting maybe, the safety. Interesting. Um, coyotes too are always running along those lines too. Those ditch lines, interesting. Yeah, so they're trying to get back into the water. So you got to run and you got to find, and I lost one because I reached down to grab it and it scooted down the hill. And it was in this, you know, briar bushes can get really, they don't trim those things. They're just wild as a rattlesnake, you know. But I lost one. I tried to go back in there again and grab them, but there was just no side of them. Sure. Uh, Nature's way of paying taxes, I guess. Yeah. You know, but the other ones we retrieved and it was just, you know, you have this sense of urgency to uh, expire that duck as soon as possible. Sure. There's there's a humaneness there. Yeah. Right. So... You know, I'm huck, I'm hucking feet, you know, trying to get over there. And I don't feel like I'm doing it fast enough. Right. Because these birds, it's like, what, five minutes before I can get over there? Right. You know? But uh, you can get lucky, though, and find a dead one, and you're happy with that. But, man, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've had good successes. Good. And there's nothing cooler than seeing a puff of feather in the sky, you know? duck fold up and right you know it's it's, yeah. it's a real treat because uh, it's a lot easier in a sense than hunting big game because it's more enclosed you have shorter distance travel you I just have to drive 30 minutes instead of five hours right you know so there's sure. a certain amount of fondness that's taking over now yeah. and you know I, right so yeah it's it's uh i get it yeah i, I totally get it i personally i don't I'm not drawn to it. Uh, yeah. No judgment, but I'm just not drawn to it because, frankly, I haven't had duck that prepared in a way that I enjoyed. How I've ha- tried it. How have you had duck? Um, there is this one place, there's a restaurant um, in Spokane where a friend of mine ordered 
uh, a duck dish that was a duck breast and it was you know he had me try a piece and was like yeah it's okay um i've had it at um melting pot um sometimes one of the, the i've only been there a couple of times but but there was like a variety plate that you could get that, that ha- included, you know, some pieces of, of duck breast that you could then, you know, boil in the broth. Oh, and, yeah. Um, that just, sounds disgusting. Just didn't. I just didn't care for it. Um, it's. I don't. My Over, personal palate is I don't. I don't really like dark meat that much. All right. Um, and that might be it. So know. duck is. Do you like steak? Oh, very much. Okay, so duck is a grazing animal. So it's okay to cook it on the rare side. Okay. And so what happens is people treat it like every other game meat, and they're like, oh, I got to cook it well done. Now, gourmet chefs and stuff will know this. Okay. And they will do the right. They'll do you proper by cooking it right at the way it's supposed to. But there should be a little bit of pink in the middle, just like a steak. So you don't have to worry about salmonella with ducks? You don't. Interesting. I, I've never had that problem. Okay. Um and that's something I would now I'm going to have to look at because you mentioned it and I never thought about salmonella. But that's the only I, reason you cook. That's, that's the only reason you cook, you know, but turkey. It's, and, it's, a, it's weird because it's not a white meat. Like, right. You know, but also chickens eat like whatever. No, they eat everything. Yeah. They're cannibals. I think ducks strictly stick to vegetation. Well, they eat slugs too. I'm disgusted. Sorry. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right because... Now to think about, it, I do remember a time in my childhood where I did see a duck eat a slug. Yeah, geese do it too. Yeah. Oh so, man, what do I do? I don't know. If you like the duck, don't worry about what it eats. <laughs> worry about how it tastes. It no. So what I do is I just do a little olive salt and pepper, and then I fry it. Yeah. Sear it in oil, or I throw it on the smoker, which is probably what I'll do here pretty soon. What's yeah, the, the 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 oilier meats, the the darker meats, they they definitely. I mean, that's why people smoke pork and. Mm-hmm. You know the the fattier meats because the the oils help carry the smoke deeper into the meat. Pulls those oils. Out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, you know, my dad took me hunting, um, mostly elk hunting when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and really I haven't been hunting since, well, basically since high school football started because the seasons coincided and. And it was like, well, I don't, I'm not going to, they coincided. And then I went off to college and mm-hmm. I did the college thing and I was a broke college student. I didn't have the luxury of, of taking off to go, you know, elk hunting. And my dad was, um, my dad used elk hunting as sort of his escape. He, to him, it was more of a walk in the woods and if he happened to see something great if he didn't that's fine too sure a little vacation yeah for him it was more of a mental break more yeah. of a vacation so um my dad never harvested ever and um now he had people in he had an elk camp that he was a circle of people that every year they would all get together and, and circle the trailers around and have elk camp mm-hmm. and you know as a young kid you know i watch these other guys you know, one guy harvested every year without fail. Mm-hmm. And the other guys got one about every other year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, they say the average is one every seven years. Well, I, I've also heard the statement that elk are earned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I didn't understand at that point in my youth and, and just as, as a kid was was um, the guy that got one every year 
He'd been up to that region every weekend, hiking and scouting for two months. Right. He knew exactly where the herds were. He knew exactly which bull he wanted. Ooh. Or he was doing his homework all year round. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and and you know, he would also put in for cow tags, and sometimes he'd get a cow, right? Mm-hmm. And and if he got a cow tag, he liked the meat better. So it was like, sweet, I don't have to worry about the bulls. I just got to get me a big cow because I want. He was looking to feed his family, so right. he's he's stacking his freezer. Um, and um, we. Actually, it, it, it kind of sad. Um, I, I know the area that um, recently there was it was in the news a lot that we had a, a deputy chief from our fire department that uh, that passed away um, while hunting. The guy that was I, yeah, I I, I knew read the, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I knew the guy. I liked him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but that was the same area that that you know my father and his and his friends would or, or hunting buddies. They weren't yeah. necessarily. You know, I was in Kitakas. Yeah, I was outside of Natchez. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it was outside of Natchez. So I hunt on kind of the um, Cleellum. Mm-hmm. Not on the Cleellum side, but on the uh, Lavender side. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the mountain side right there. Okay. That's where I usually hunt, but it connects down to sure. Natchez. Right. Right. So, you know, I mean, that was just what... But when you... That you place is brutal, dude. That I'm telling you what, <clears throat> that mountain range right there mm-hmm. will kill you. Yeah. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that that guy was fit and did everything. He, no. Well, I don't want to speak disparagingly about him, but oh, but he, he's experienced though, in the sense that he wasn't just a first, first time. He'd been elk hunting a lot. Oh, okay. Because I don't want to say that anybody can do it. Nobody can really navigate these mountains very well because there's so many of them. Well, there are and, some people that can. And if you have a GPS, sure. that's great. Right. But there are some places where you can get trapped and like sucked into because you can always get up something, but sometimes you can't always get down. Sure. And I've I've had that problem several times where I've like, oh, what did I get myself into? Right. Right. I wanted to climb up here to see something or to see out further mm-hmm. now. I have to climb down this, and it looks like once I take a step, I'm going right all the way. Yeah, and that's like I have to pay attention to that when I'm hiking, not sure. to get sucked into the right into the mother nature aspect of her trap. Yeah, because she will destroy you. Yeah. Well, that um, I sent you a picture last year when my buddy harvested a Roosevelt, mm-hmm. and was, uh, and he went out, and then that that thing was a beauty. Yeah. Right, that was a, oh, that those was, belts are giants, man. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a big elk. Yeah. Um, well, he he got another one this year. I don't know why they all look like they're on steroids for some reason. <laughs> yeah, everybody sends me a picture. Like my other buddy sent me one from the west side, and I yeah. was like, I was like, why aren't why am I doing east side hunts? Well, I I don't know. I mean, I I would think that that what they eat is more prevalent on the west side. So if they've got a, a better quantity of food mm-hmm. oh yeah you know yeah. um tons of trees yeah yeah tons of foliage uh-huh. they eat the tops of the pines yeah the 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 stuff that's that you find in in eastern washington is look i'm i'm not a i'm not an expert on this whole thing but it seems to me like it looks a lot like high desert mm-hmm. well that's not a whole you know even in the mountains it's it's the high desert approaching the mountains uh, but the west side's got 
all the foliage. Well, and that's why they have all those feeding stations too. Is yeah. There's not a lot of food for them to get through the winter. Right. So they gotta bring in hay. And they bring in hay and feed them. Feed them hay, and then you know a percentage of them will die off in the winter, whereas the other ones will figure out where all the rest of the hay is being stored. Right. And they'll go all the way through Yakima, Chisaw, all the way right. east, and they'll just look for whatever they can get. Yeah. Digging out of the snow, you know. Yeah. So, I, I I wanted to go back, you know, as as a grown up, or mostly grown up, uh, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do is is to return to that and frankly, find somebody that would be willing to mentor me and teach me how to do it. But, in all honesty, Sean, I've I've felt, um, as a family man, you know, with with young kids, mm-hmm. um, I chose not to because not to pursue it because even what it felt selfish. Hey, I want to go do this and I'm not going to take my family with me. Um, the look, I've, I've got a couple of rifle options that are totally, um, responsible and, and proper for hunting something the size of elk, right? That's, right. I don't have to go spend money on elk, but, or to be on, 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 on a, gun, on, on a gun. Yeah. But what I, what I do, honestly, what I don't have is I don't have the, I don't have the gear, the, other gear. the rest of the gear, right? I don't have the clothing I have is, is like ski gear. Bro. So my buddy, Chris, that I hunt with, yeah, he wears a Slovakian track shoot and he carries a pump shotgun and he's a, the best shot with a shotgun I know. Sweet. And Slovakian tracksuit, that's awesome. And I'm like, bro, how do you do it? And he's like, it's the tracksuit. <laughs> well, it just goes to show that, like, look, I got a lot of camo, right? I got sure. like, from for a different time. And for a long time, I thought, man, I got to have the perfect blend of camo to mix into the perfect blend of bushes. No, man, it's what I've learned is that I've spent way too much money on camo. Mm-hmm. And all I need to be concerned about is using nature's concealment mm-hmm. and using the wind. Mm-hmm. And that is the only thing I need to worry about. And be a good shot. Right. Right? I can take care of the shot thing. Yeah. Being a good shot is key. Yeah. But as far as pursuance, it's all about staying out of view and using the wind. Right. Because animals' eyes are nothing compared to their nose. Without a doubt. And, but here I am thinking I'm the newest thing under the sun. Right. And I'm not. And it takes a lot of years to humble me because I have yet to bring home a deer. I've shot two deer, but I haven't yet retrieved one because they're very resilient creatures. Oh, no kidding. And even when you think you killed a deer, your work has just begun. Right. You are going, I had to track this deer for two days. Wow. I was like, this sucks. It was the biggest heartbreak. It was such a pump right. at first. Yeah. But then it just declined down into like, wow. pump the brakes. Yeah. This sucks. Hmm. <laughs> it is. Because one, you don't, you don't like the idea of a deer out there bleeding. Sure. Slowly dying. Right. And you're not eating. Right. Right. So that was very difficult. For Absolutely. Me and it haunts me. It doesn't say haunt me, but it reminds me every year. To be more patient, to be right, uh, 
It's a big responsibility. I can't say that I didn't look for this thing long enough because I spent two days right. solid looking for it. And then my friend's daughter jumped it trying to befriend it. And that was a terrible idea because she went out on her own looking for it because she thought she might be able to find it. Oh, wow. And she was right. She got lucky and she found it. Oh, wow. And jumped it and it went across the street into another farmer's field where we couldn't get permission to pursue it because they were all out harvesting hay at that time okay so just nobody was home to answer the phone oh wow and this is out where everybody has a house phone you know? right so that kind of sucked right and we deducted down to it just moved its way down into a deep canyon creek mm-hmm. and just went to go die because they're going to go to to water right yeah so that's that's the downfall of being a new hunter is patience Right. And and just the patience. Sure. You know. Be patient with your shot. Sometimes you gotta understand angles angles better than you think you do. Mm-hmm. Like elevated shots and lower lower elevation and higher elevation. Right. You gotta think about where it's gonna come out out versus where it's gonna go in at. Right. And I still uh, at the time hadn't that hadn't become reality for me. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it doesn't discourage me at all from hunting, though. Mm-hmm. It's just, it makes me want to slow down. Mm-hmm. Like, I was I remember being really excited where I couldn't sleep the night before about hunting. Because mm-hmm. I had all these expectations of how it was going to play out. Mm-hmm. Those are garbage. It's complete garbage. Yeah. Don't, like, don't do that to yourself. Right. You know, don't let your fantasies ruin your appreciation for what you're really doing. Right. Right. Because you're out there to have a good time, enjoy the hunt, enjoy the challenges that are about to be brought to you. But don't let your own, I don't know how to explain it, like your own masturbative thoughts, like mentally masturbative thoughts, like ruin it. Hmm. Because all you're doing is pleasing some part of your brain that isn't reality-based at all. Because mm-hmm. it never goes down the way you planned. Right. So that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So Adam couldn't be here tonight. Right. But he did have a solid question that I, he wanted me to ask you. All right, what's did, that? Did you hear about it? Do you know what it is? Maybe. Oh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. If you could go back and ask yourself, your 19 year old self or not ask but tell yourself something at the age of 19 what would it be it didn't get that was a general gist of what i what i he suggested or something like you on his motorcycle so it's kind of hard no i was tagged oh okay so i don't know but he mentioned something about about that but he wasn't real he wasn't that specific because it was like well gosh um what age he said he told me 19. Okay, so 19. Because he asked me that question like a couple days ago. And I was like the same yeah. same thing went through my head. Like, what age? Because there's there's 18 where I become responsible for my actions. And then there's 21 where I really start doing things with my actions. You know? Yeah. So, and then there's when you really become a man, which is around like the age of 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... You know, I had like, I, man, I was like, that's, that's environmental. I'd be like, well, you know what? Maybe I should just write myself a book with some illustrations because I know I can't read my own writing. Yeah. So I don't want to give myself 
something that you can't read. Type it out. Type it out. Type yeah. It out. Yeah. So. Um, so 19. Where was I at 19? 19, I was junior in college. Yeah. Yeah, junior in college. Um, but what I tell myself? You know, that's a good one. Um, Is it only one thing, or can it be multiple things? You know, well, I, that's a, you're the one asking the questions. You're I don't the, know. It's your but podcast. I don't even know how to set the parameters for it, you know? Right. Um, let's see. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Mm, um, that's good. You know, um, I'll give you a little bit of background, and, and I want to be very careful that I, I keep the... Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit on a couch in a talk show and and say, you know, I, you know, my mom, dad, my mom and dad were were this, and that's why I'm a screw up at at 47. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would. Uh, I think I'd sit down and I'd make my 19 year old self watch the Dave Ramsey. Um, the Dave Ramsey. The Dave Ramsey uh, uh, CD set or DVD. I've heard of this. Isn't he a business? Well, he's. He's a uh, he's a faith based. I think he has a, a nationally syndicated radio talk show, and it's mm-hmm. faith based. But he's it's financial peace, mm-hmm. and and he uses uh, biblical lessons to as foundations for his um, perspective and advice and counsel on how people should handle their finances. Mm. And um, well, let's back up a minute. Okay. Okay. Um, earlier in the in this chat, we talked about, I've been going to work since I was five. Right. My dad was a contractor. He was self-employed. Now he was self-employed because he didn't have enough personal discipline to hold a job and show up. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Is that really the kind of person that's going to probably be able, if you don't have that much discipline, are you going to be able to run your own company in a profitable manner? Not likely. Run it into the ground. Correct. And so my dad used to say that he built two businesses on my back. And by the time I was on your back or on on mine, okay. um, by the time, and those are his words, not mine. Mm -hmm. Um, By the time I'm 17 and graduating from high school, because they put me in early. I I wasn't extra smart. They just put me in early. Um, my dad came to me and said, I'm two months behind on the rent at the, at the shop and we're three months behind at the mortgage. I don't know what to do. I'm 17. Wow. I said, stay out of my way. And in 30 days we were caught up. So um, what did you possess that your dad didn't? Because I'm gonna because go for it. because you said you would make yourself watch Dave Ramsey. Yeah. But if you were to go back to you when you were 17, yeah. it seemed like you had a pretty good understanding. I had a work ethic. Okay. I had I had a work ethic, and I understood how to look. The work's got to get done. Mm-hmm. Roll up your sleeve. Now my dad could sell ice to the Eskimos in the middle of a snowstorm, but he couldn't roll his sleeves up. Well, he could. He was a tremendous craftsman. 
I learned so much of what I know how to do from working with him. He was a good craftsman. He really, really was. He just would spend too much time talking about it and not enough time doing it. So by the time I'm, uh, you know, I head off to college and 80% of the work that's being done by his business, I'm doing. Mm-hmm. 80%? That's a lot. So that's, so, so yeah. split up that 80%. Well, well, what do you mean by split up the 80%? I mean, uh, labor. Labor. Business, all, no, no, all no, no none of that was just labor. Okay. Just, just production. Okay. Just production. And so, um, you know, I had to learn a, a heck of a work ethic, you know, um, I remember one Saturday evening in springtime, you know, my dad, had, I'm working on a customer's vehicle. By, by this time, my dad had purchased an RV repair business. Um, okay. So it was, it was an easier transition from, from the, you know, not, not easy, but it was, it was a natural progression, um, natural transition. So I'm working on a customer's rig that came in and had, uh, they were traveling through. And so it was not really a giant job, but it wasn't really planned. It was something, Hey, we can squeeze you in. And you know, they had like a wheel bearing failure or something like that. Hmm. It's Saturday, 7 PM. My dad's like, Hey, so what are all the kids at school doing today? We're doing tonight. Well, tonight's prom, Dad. Well, you're not going. And I'm going, where would you rather have me be, Dad? Here, doing this for you, or going to prom? He couldn't answer me. Mm-hmm. The look in his eyes said it all. Yeah. Because he knew he'd rather have me there than going to prom. Yeah. So, um, and the challenge that, that, that trickled out of that is that because dad was so poor with his business management, he also didn't pay me. Oh. Now, as a you know family business, you're not obligated to do that. You're all you're completely exempt from all the child labor laws and all that kind of crap. But then again, your dad's also the guy who couldn't pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> so. So at least if he pays you, you can at least manage some money. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. But but. That's just how it rolled. Uh-huh. So we go through that that little dance, and that was a that was an ongoing thing. Um, and the challenge with that is that when you're not being paid, you don't get you you're denied the opportunity to learn and make your own mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're denied the opportunity if you're not getting paid for the work that you're doing. Now. Let's back up and talk about this a little bit, or yeah. let's 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 yeah. unpack this a little yeah. bit. I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ever a star, um, but I went to all the practices and went to all the games and played. Um, I was putting in about forty hours a week at his shop during football season. Wow! Evenings after practice, uh, weekends. Those are the kind of hours I was almost 40 during, during football season. And it was more when it wasn't football season. Where did your childhood go? Didn't have one. Didn't have one. Yeah. So, I mean, did I need one? I don't know. You can make all kinds of arguments about that. I think there's a point. There are arguments. But I sure. I think there's a point where 
and I don't want this to be a woe is me. This is just no, no, the, the, I, I, no. Here, here, uh, this is the only woe is me I have no. to say is, did you feel left out of that part of the, your life, like going to prom? Um, oh, at that point, immensely. Yeah, immensely. Because I mean, you obviously had relationships with people in high school. Not very, not very much, not because. Really. Yeah, when do you do social things with kids in school? Right after school. After school. Right. So you I got to go to work. Right. And so you, that conditioning kind of set its Correct. And because we didn't live in the school district that we attended, mm-hmm. it wasn't like these were kids that I would see, you know, my peers. Right. I, I didn't live in the neighborhood that my peers did. Right. So again, this is not a woe is me. This is not a, I'm complaining about something. Everything happens for a reason. Right. And if I hadn't been been conditioned and and been through that i might be in a very very different position right now right Right. um so you learned lessons from your father oh absolutely in the sense that you learned how not to live your life in the sense sadly how to manage it sure just like i learned things from my parents by their downfalls of like exactly i don't ever want to be that person right 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 Hopefully, in an ideal situation, look. Not that I don't respect right my parents in the yeah. sense that I should, but there was a lot of dysfunction. Sure. And my goal in life was to never have those, even though I did have some dysfunction. My goal was to not experience. Well, we all have goals, and and usually we fall short of them, and that's okay because we got a goal that we're shooting. You know, set your goals high, right? Yeah. I, Life is full of fail- failures. You know, Maxwell teaches and preaches that, you know, you fail your way to success. You just don't quit. Keep right. going. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. You're going to get better. Learn from your mistakes. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And eventually you're going, oh, hey, I hit it. Yeah, I hit my goal, you know, a year later than I hoped, but I still hit my goal. Yeah. Right? Um, even if you never hit your goal, but hey, you're a heck of a lot closer to your goal than you would if you didn't have a goal. And you so, should do feel a lot better than yourself doing something than nothing. Well, yes. And that, that kind of segues into... Um, one of the things that uh, a lesson I've tried to teach my kids is um, don't chase happiness. Pursue excellence and happiness will find you. Mm. Now, excellence in what? Well, how about everything that you do? Right. You know, don't mail it into anything. If you pursue an excellent life, you know, now that doesn't mean that, that, you know, when you learn how to cook, that you've got to, you know, try to beat Bobby Flay or, or Gordon Ramsay. What it, what it means no, but I is... I see where you're going with it. Right? It, it's like, hey, if you if you undertake something, do your best. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and happiness will find you. Now, you're going to you're gonna find out that, that you know, you know, just using the cooking example, maybe you really only have two or three... Maybe, heck, maybe it's only even one that you absolutely blow out of the water, right? You, you crush this particular dish. Fine. That's your excellence. Now, the rest of it can be, look, if, if you want to eat healthy, you want to eat clean, maybe, and, and you're on a budget, maybe it's, you know, ground turkey that's browned in a, in a skillet and you, you serve it over, you know, steamed white rice with some vegetables and you pick your sauce that you want on it. You know, do you want it, do you want it? Mexican flavor tonight? Do you want it teriyaki? Do you want it soy sauce? Do you want it? You can you can do lots of different things. Well, even something that's cooking as plain as that, that's not necessarily plain. That's simple. But man, that's pretty dang healthy. Mm-hmm. 
right? So you're pursuing excellence there. You're using discipline. You're not eating nothing but, but cookies and bonbons and potato chips sitting on a couch. I love cookies and bonbons. Yeah, I do you know, too. I want to make a cookie sandwich with bonbons and potato chips in the middle. Right I think now. you can do it. I, I, I saw that bucket of cookies that, that your wife your, your wife made. You should you should do that tonight. Hey, honey, look what I did. There, that would be excellence, idea. right? That you're pursuing excellence. The most excellent cookie sandwich See, you could make, right? That I contradicted you. Right. But no, but 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 that's the general gist is is I try really hard to encourage my kids, hey, pursue excellence in everything that you do. Yeah. Happiness will find you. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've had some examples that have come in and out of our lives of, of people that, that, um, really good people, really great hearts, but their life is a shambles because they're running around chasing happiness mm-hmm. and it's always eluding. It's, it's like smoke. You can see it, you can smell it, you can even taste it if you breathe through your mouth, but you can't grab it. Right. It'd be like if I were to be my talk to my 19 year old self and i said to myself when you hear about bitcoin yeah buy all of it buy all you can right yeah and then what does that do for me inside it's empty right right you know my 19 year old self hey buy buy all the microsoft you can afford all right all fine right, fine i've just become the biggest funder of war yeah pretty much right right all my investments are basically being tax to the point where I'm just funding wars now. I hadn't thought of it that way, but okay. But to me, there's so much more, there's so much more to life about, or to, to, to a meaningful life than money. Now, mm-hmm. I want to be very, very careful because um, there's an enormous amount of people that I share the similar belief system that talk about how money's the root of all evil. And and they're horribly misquoting it. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And even states the love of money. Correct. Yes. So, so to me, I've always looked at money as a character amplifier. If you're a piece of turd human being and you're really, really wealthy, what are you going to do with it? You're going to go buy hookers and blow. Right. Right. But if you are an awesome hearted human being, you're going to take, and you're very wealthy, you're going to take that money and you're going to do wonderful things with that money. Right. All money is, it's a magnifier of your, of your uh, character. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it also buys you, it buys you time and it buys you options. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. And, and, and frankly, Sean, that, that's why, that's why I want lots of it. And I'm not afraid to say I want lots of it because you know what? I want time to spend. Yeah. When was the last time you ever heard of somebody really wealthy dying on their deathbed wishing for more money? Right. They wish they had more time to spend with the people they care about. You're absolutely right. Right. What do I do? I grind day to day. Sure. Do I get a lot of time to spend with my family? I get the a lot of time that I get in my benefits. Right. But if I made more than that. Sure. Or four times more than that, I could say, hey, kids, family, let's go Colorado. Or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Right? Not like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I can't even make it this week. Yeah. Right. And that's the, the life of the grinder. You Correct. You know what I mean? And, and I don't want to poo-poo people that choose a life of, of, of noble, hard work. Um, you know, one of somebody who I enjoy listening to from time to time on a podcast is, is Jocko Willink, right? I love Jocko. And, and Jocko's... Um, Why does Jocko get up at 4.30 in the morning? Every day. Why does he? Yeah. I don't know why. Because it's a good habit forming time to get up. Okay. 
I mean, I, it's, he says, I know he does. The most important thing in the world is to have that repetition in your life. Mm-hmm. And he gets up at 4.30 in the morning because it gives him time to do everything he needs to do before he becomes productive. Right. And we don't, we do not rise. Um, one of my mentors, uh, my, my main mentor in life, um, has a saying, and, and it's, there's a lot of truth in this, like all of it. Um, we do not rise to the occasion. Movies want to tell you that you're going to rise to the occasion. That's not what happens. You fall to the level that your systems have been established to. Mm-hmm. So for somebody in, in like the SEAL teams or an, an elite military unit, they have their systems. Now for Jocko, that's he gets up at 4.30. Does it have to be 4.30? No. But maybe it's 4. Maybe it's 7.30. But, but you have a routine that is excellence, mm-hmm. right? So your, your systems are, hey, do you, do you get up and like one example? I try to read for personal growth every day. That's, that's a standard I have. Do I hit it every day? No. Sometimes I, I don't. Mm-hmm. But that's my, that's my goal. That's my standard. Now, I'm not reading for hours. It's, it's like 20, 30 minutes. Something that's personal growth. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm... What's your I, ideal 20-minute read? What do you mean by that? Well, do you read something that's like a book that's part of something big, or do you read something that's in the time frame of 20 minutes? Oh, no, no. It's, it is, I read 20 minutes out of a, uh, a book that I'm going to grow personally by okay. reading. Now, so it's not a novel. Um, it's not, um, I read, I read Chris Kyle's autobiography, the uh, American Sniper that was largely completed before he was, he was killed. Um, I felt that I, I, um, I wanted to respect his his dedication to our country enough, and I felt that one way I could do that would be to read his book. Awesome. Um, but I actually think my brother-in-law asked me a year and a half ago, um, "What's the favorite book I've ever written or ever read?" Mm-hmm. Um, probably Jocko's Extreme Ownership, mm. uh, as far as a a that kind of a book. Yeah. Um, my. Crenshaw's fortitude and, and I'm not, I'm not like a, a seal groupie or anything like that um, is, but I think fortitude is very, uh, I think it's very poignant for our day and times that we're in these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Crenshaw's got a good hold on that. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like what he brings out when yeah. he was on Rogan. Yeah, he was, he's been on Rogan a couple of times. Um, he's got his own podcast too. Um, he, he has uh, his, his podcasts are shorter. Um, so if you, but he does a nice job and he brings a lot of interesting people through there. Um, so there's, there's, you know, Jordan Peterson. I love Jordan oh, Peterson dude, stuff. That guy's a trip, man. Yeah. 12 rules for life. Have you, yeah. Have you read it? No. Okay. I haven't read it, Okay, it's but great. I've watched these uh, and we're going to cite it, but I, we yeah, need yeah. to get back to oh, sure. Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Bring but, no, but I want to, I'm going to take Jordan uh, Peterson real quick. Yeah, yeah. And put him in a bubble around all of this stuff. Okay. <laughs> I've been watching Jordan Peterson's last like YouTube segments. Mm-hmm. And the guy is slowly 
starting to follow a Christ life belief. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see him four years ago when he was on Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. And now, and then some of the YouTube videos that he's Mm -hmm. made, the guy is acknowledging Christ more than he ever has before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's amazing how Christ is working in his life right now. Could be. I, I, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, Sean, is I've, I've always resisted or tried to resist trying to guess if someone's a Christ follower or not. I couldn't guess it either, but the way he emotionally spoke about Christ Correct. was like, wow. Well, there's a whole lot of people that, that believe that Jesus of Nazareth um, was a tremendous human being and a really good teacher, but not the son of God. Mm. So yeah, true. What, what I don't know, and you know, the only two people that know that are God and Jordan, mm-hmm. you, you know, where, where Jordan's real beliefs fall on that. Right. Uh, and that's a good, but, but I, it's just a fair statement to make because we don't know where Jordan's sure, but and, it's way different than how he was thinking four years ago. Like, it, it, the way he, I think it's different. That he's talking about it differently. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. And, and just like, just like I everybody, give, I don't want to give him too much credit. Then. Oh, okay. Well, but <laughs> just like everybody, he's, he's because he's now talking more and more and more publicly. He's been talking now on a, on a, he international is, does stage. have a huge platform. To he's getting on. better at it. Yeah. So he's getting better at how he's going to articulate certain things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's, we're all going to do that. Yeah. Right. You're, I guarantee you, your hundredth podcast is going to be better than your first. I can't wait to listen to the comparison on that. Yeah, you know, um, so and that's just that's just human nature, right? I mean, Absolutely. when I when I first joined the instruction group with Fighting Chance, um, I felt like a fish out of water. I, I I felt like a fish out of water too. Right? Um, we all were like trying to find our groove. We were right. all trying to find out how to read each other, sure, so we could move the spots and how we could. Right. Work the line, you know, and you know, uh, right before the whole COVID thing kind of shit, we had a private class scheduled that uh, a particular family wanted, and Adam started it with me, mm-hmm. and Lauren and I finished it because Adam had a previous engagement. So, I mean, again, that's good, and, and it was like. You, the more you do, the better you right. get. Right? But that's good to, that you guys found it. Yes. Learned it. Yep. And worked it. Right. Right. So, um, anyway, uh, and, and in hindsight, it was like, you know, I'm driving home. It's like, oh, I forgot to say this at this time. You know what? Those things, I do that all the time when well, I do a podcast. Sure. Man. You don't know how many times I want to go back and record podcasts because sure. I forgot one little word. Right. Well, one word. I believe you. I mean, we, well, the, there was something that, you know, while we were chatting before turning on the recording, there was something that, that we said, hey, let's let's make sure we cover tonight to, to kind of revisit a topic that, that we, we skimmed over. Or not skimmed over that we that we missed last time. Right. Um, so and we'll get to it. Um, if we don't, we'll do it again. Do next you want to go to Dan, Dave Ramsey? Right now? Well, sure. I mean, you know, if if Adam's question is, "What would you tell your 19 year old self?" Mm-hmm. I would say, "Look, sit down and listen to what Dave Ramsey has to say, and then apply it in your life." Um, you know, I was I was not the most. I, I wasn't financially irresponsible, but I wasn't the most financially responsible. I could have done way, way better. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, when I got married to Becky, um, I brought uh, some consumer debt into the relationship. She brought a little bit of consumer, very little consumer debt because she was just really, really responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a single mom raising two kids working three quarter time, yeah, she had a little bit of consumer debt. She had some student loan debt. She had a car payment. Mm-hmm. Now, when Becky and I got married, I sold, we, we got together, we put our heads together and says, Hey, we want to, we want to do something that's, that's really meaningful for the kids. And, and I don't want to judge other people's perspective, but ours, our goal was we wanted to have the kid, let the kids have a stay home parent. And the kids were nine and 11 when we got married. That was a very formative time period. We didn't want them coming home to an empty house. So, um, we adjusted our lifestyle, um, sold a few things. And we started working to get ourselves out of debt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we did that. We accomplished that. We accomplished that with, it took us a number of years to do because not only were we, we were dropping to a single income, mm-hmm. not dual income. But dropping that debt. But we're also trying to get out of debt. So, yeah. so, so even dropping to one income and having status quo was one thing. Dropping you know, debt not growing, but debt not, not lessening is one thing. Um, dropping to one income and still getting rid of debt, that takes a little while. Yeah. That, that was an uphill grind. Yeah. And, and, uh, but we did it, right? So, you know, we can, uh, we're pretty proud of the fact that we're 100% debt free. Nice. No car payments? No car payments. Wow. Now, we rent our home. We don't have, we, we don't have a mortgage. True. But um, I, I think that, that the allure of mortgages has, has been, um, trumped up by um or or falsely built up by people that want to sell you mortgages you know you read the word the 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 book rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki and it'll it'll offer you a different perspective to look at at a mortgage Hmm. i'm not saying it's right but it'll offer you a different perspective okay okay um but it just Go. feels like I want to own my own house, though. But in the sense, you don't own your own house for 30 years. You don't until you're done payment, making payments. And then by the time that happens, I'm like 70 years old. And right. So and then by then, I'm going to want to move to Arizona like every other old person. It's hot down there. It is. I don't even know how I'd manage that. We, 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 well, you and not, you talked about not going on early hunts because of loincloth. Because you're going to walk around in your birthday it's suit. A, it's a dry heat. Well, it's, it is a dry heat, but it's still hot. <laughs> We, when we dropped, our, our oldest son is going to Grand Canyon University down there in, in uh, Phoenix. Nice. Um, really impressed with with what that place is. If they do half of what they claim they do to support the students mm-hmm. and their and and their process, they claim a lot. If they only do half of it, it's still a very very special place. So it, okay. I'm I'm super stoked for him and he's thriving. So um, so you would have paying his own way. You would have yourself listen to Dave Ramsey. I'd have myself listen to Dave Ramsey, yeah. Tell me why. Um, don't fall into the trap of keeping up with the Joneses or or going into debt over things. Uh, you know, develop a better saving habit. Um, you know, if, if you if you learn to live on on eighty percent of your take home, mm-hmm. not a hundred percent of your take home. Right. You learn to live on 80% of your take home in five years. You have an entire year's worth of cushion. If something goes goofy. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, so 
I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm I'm focused about money, but when money buys you choices and money buys you time, um, you know, I. The last several years of the fire department, um, I was working almost 3,000 hours a year. That's a lot of hours, man. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm thankful. I think that's double than what the average. Well, uh, uh, what's considered a normal work year uh, of 40 hours a week times 50 weeks is 2,000 hours. Okay. So, I'm... You know, and this last year, I was on pace before getting shown the door yeah. for a heck of a lot more than that. A gob more than that. Because we're so short-staffed. But yet, they still sent 80 of us but packing like, over the mandate. you got to get rid of these guys that don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we had, um, we had COVID go through our house a second time. What? Yeah. What was that like? Was it like, hey, buddy, how you doing? It was easy. Nice. It was easy, squeezy. I don't even know what COVID no. feels like. I, again, we're, uh, I don't, just like I said the last time we, we talked, I don't want to give the impression that this, that I disrespect what COVID is. Uh-huh. No, it's I, got the potential to be nasty. Sure. We were blessed that we were really healthy. We processed it well. And um, so... I'm I'm thankful for that. What do you think about this new variant? I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it either. I've had it. I've What's had it? I've had COVID. Is that the one that you got, or is this I don't the know Delta that you think? I I'm, I don't really care. Well, how come we don't rename the flu virus every year? Because every year it's a different one, and and well, and we haven't a different one. Well, I mean they're giving it a different name. I think that right now. And, and, and now we're going to, we're going to kind of dip our toe back into some of the stuff that we, that we kind of skimmed over last time or, or we, yeah, we didn't good. touch on last time. time. Um, the thing for, for me about this is that I think that, that Western medicine, and when I say Western medicine, I'm not talking about just the United States, right? I think that the Western medicine culture um, is approaching this in a horrible, horrible way. The first 90 days, I'm going to give them a pass. Dude, okay. it's, it's political. Yes. One, you let politics run the medical side of, right. of science. And, and um, so let me, let me ask you some questions. If for the people that have um, symptoms of, there's a darn good chance that most of us have some form of a herpes virus in our, in our body in some capacity, right? Whether we have symptoms or not, who knows? I've never had a cold sore. Me neither, right? Um, but... I know somebody who gets cold sores. I do too. And that person has a standing prescription bottle that's filled on their medicine cabinet shelf. So that the moment that they feel the first sign, I, I guess it's like a tingle or something. The moment that they feel... I don't mean to laugh. No, that's fine. A tingle. I, 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 that's what I hear it's described yeah. as, right? Yeah. I've never had one. But for the people that get them... Um, I've largely heard it described as kind of like a little bit of a tingle Weird. at a spot on your lip. Okay. Well, they go to their medicine cabinet and they start taking Valtrex or, or whatever antiviral has been proven to work for them 
to help their body fight a virus. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what this is. Right. So um, what we did is when I say we, I'm talking about Western culture. And, and this is something that I'm, I'm absolutely horribly pissed off about. Mm-hmm. The first 60, 90 days, I'll give most people a pass until they go, hold on, let's get this figured out. But once they, we have sacrificed common sense on the altar of knowledge. Right. Right. Well, because the altar of knowledge was way back in the 1920s, 1901s, where oh. medicine was becoming popular instead of letting bodies build their own immunities to evolving diseases okay i can see where you're going with that you know I, I, I i i yeah okay like we've become the de- chemically dependent on pharmaceuticals to fight our battles for it well fight our battles for us but also we don't we don't pay the price i mean you, you go drinking too much and and you take an aspirin and, and you get rid of a hangover right? right so but but my point is where, where i was going with with this with this particular line of thought is what we were doing is we were telling the, the, when people would call 911 for, Hey, I think I've got COVID. Okay. Stay home. So you don't infect anybody else and call us if your lips turn blue. All right. So, um, in general, there's going to be outliers, but in general, your lips start turning blue at the O2 saturation level of about 85 to 88% O2 saturation in your bloodstream. And that seems high if you think about it. It seems high, but it's incredibly low. Right. Your your body's losing at that point. Oh, it's okay. getting its ass kicked. So that's crazy. Right. That's, so that's a weird, unreal like in my brain. Right. Cuz we're thinking, we, with, oh, I'm still okay. I'm at 80%. I, I'm I'm at 80 88%. I I'm that's a P plus. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. Right, exactly. Right, right. That, so so but in in the nature of O2 blood saturation in in that context. That's how sensitive our body is yes, to O2 saturation. Right. So 88%, 85%, your lips are turning blue. Your body's losing. So what we were doing as Western providers is we were saying, don't call for help until it's so bad that you're on the ropes already. Mm. And that, now this is now that this is common sense. This isn't so knowledge. We're at eighty five percent. We're in a bad state. You're already you're already getting your ass kicked before we give you any help. Yeah. What we should have been doing is we should have been saying as soon as somebody calls nine one one or calls their doctor and says, "Hey, I think I got COVID." What they should have said is, okay, get your, do you have an N95 mask? No. Okay. Show up to the clinic, knock on the door. We're going to toss one out the door at you. We're going to instruct you how to put it on. We're going to, you know, go to this link, this, this, you know, create a stupid link on, on Uh, your phone. You can take a picture of it on your phone. Yeah. And it'll show you how to put the mask on properly. Yeah. Get the mask on properly. Great. Now come inside the clinic. I got a question. Yeah, go. Can a guy like me wear an N95 mask properly? I don't know with, with, with the beard and so forth. I, I honestly don't know, Sean. Yeah. Cause I've gone through like the certs for like, yeah. respirators and stuff. And yeah. like, no, you got to shave all that off. I'm like, well, just give me a hood then. Okay. I, I honestly don't know. That's a fair question. Yeah. Right. Um, I, in the fire department that I worked at, we, we would have to go through yearly fit testing. Right. And, and I go through yearly fit tests. Correct. Well. And, and we don't have hood options, right. but they don't allow us to grow facial hair beyond like a mustache and, and a little soul patch. That answers my question. So, yeah. well, but here's the funny thing. 
there's never been a document, to my knowledge, there's never been a documented case of a SCBA face piece failing. Right. Think of all the volunteers in the in middle America that have beards. But that's all you guys use is SCBA. Well, on a fire. On a fire. On a fire. But an N95 mask, that's a different thing. But even if it says, hey, look, if you got facial hair, shave it. Put your N95 on. You you want to die or you want to live? So... But, but let, let me let me finish. Real okay, quick. okay, okay. I, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. Take your time. Okay. But patient who thinks they got COVID. Okay. We're going to throw you an N95 out the window if you don't have one already. But get your, get your butt in here now. Mm-hmm. We're going to have you put on the N95. The provider that's going to tend to you is going to be wearing an N95. They could even be in, in the full-on gown, mask, gloves, the whole nine yards. Okay, great. Right. They're going to draw blood, and they're going to ask you, or, or they're, going to, they're going to start testing you for COVID, whether it's a blood draw or whether it's the, na- the, the, the nasal swab where they, they scrub your brain with, with the Q-tip, whatever. But the point is, while you're waiting for the test results to come back, you don't leave that clinic without a prescription for a antiviral, mm-hmm. a known antiviral, one that already works on antiviral, has antiviral properties. It doesn't have to be ivermectin. It can be something else. Mm-hmm. You can have a menu. Hey, have you ever taken any of these? Yeah, I took that once and it worked really well. Or I took that one and I got bad side effects. Well, we're going to cross that. Well, you're not going to get this one. But, and you really quickly, you're going to develop a database that says, hey, patients that took this one did better than patients that did this one. Go. You said antivirals. Yes. Right? Yeah. I have never heard, and then again, it, I've kind of dislocated myself from watching CNN, Fox, and stuff. Sure. I, I'm, so have I. I'm way out of the circle of what they're chit-chatting about mm-hmm. because it's just pollution, right? Mm-hmm. But you said antiviral medications. Yes. And you said options. Yes. I have never heard of options in antiviral medication in the whole course of this thing. Well, that's right, because there's no more money in it. Mm. See? It's all in vaccines. No. It's all in new vaccines. Oh. New so drugs. So it's all getting moved into the... See, look. Tell me the... more. Yeah, tell me more because I, I might not be... Okay. New vaccines for COVID? Sure. Okay. Because we're talking about the COVID issue. Right. 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 So how much has Big Pharma made from the U.S. government in the last 18 months? 200%. A gob. 200%. Of what, it, what most of their stocks are up 200%. Right. They've made a god. No, I'm telling you, dude. Um, BioNTech, mm-hmm. uh, last year, mm-hmm. no, 2019, mm-hmm. before, $30 a share. Right. Now, it's at 290 a share. Okay. They made a lot of money. That's more than 200%, buddy. It is more than 200%, but it went down a little bit. There sure. Was, uh, just recent, I, I've been tracking it. Yeah, okay. There was recently a drop, and now it's now starting to pick right. back up. So, But, but my, that's, its height correct. was, I believe, 300. Right. Follow the money. Yeah. Seriously, follow the money. No. Because here's the thing. When, when I was listening to um, a conversation uh, that Robert Malone was having, I didn't I didn't understand Robert Malone for anybody who doesn't, hasn't heard of this guy. He's one of the co-inventors or the inventor of MRNA technology. RNA. Okay. Really smart dude. Um, he was the one that did he quit or did he get fired? Oh, I don't know. Oh. 
I'm not sure, but but he's uh, he's been pretty outspoken about. And you can't argue with this guy's credentials. I'm sorry. You, you, no, they can deep platform all I've, all you want. I've listened to a few of his. The, the guy's brilliant, with, right? Uh, have you have you Dark Horse yep. podcast? Yeah, that's the one. That's probably the one I'm referring to. But okay. I, I didn't know if you wanted me to bring that up. Oh, go ahead. So, so, but but the point is, is that um, they kept using the term in that particular podcast. They kept using the term repurposed drugs, and I didn't quite understand it until partway until most of the way through the process. Oh, repurposed drugs. What they're referring to is drugs, medications that are already vetted. They've been approved, maybe not for COVID, but they've been approved for other uses, which means they've gone through all of the first stage, second stage, third stage trials. They are a, they are approved to be issued or prescribed to human beings by the FDA. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the, F- the thing is, is that the FDA says, oh, you can prescribe it, but it, they also can tend to put a, a window. You can prescribe it, but y- y- it can only be for X, Y, or Z. Oh, okay. But some of these medications that have already been developed and been on the market for years and years and years, uh, Valtrex would be one of them, they help your body with antiviral activity. So, and I'm just using low-hanging fruit because of the one particular person that I know that was candid enough to share this particular detail, right? So there are other there Speak- are other antivirals out there. Speaking of low-hanging fruit, Oh, hanging fruit. Doesn't Pfizer make Viagra? They do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I believe so. But I think so. Yeah. But the the point is is that, um, with if they had said, "Hey, get in here, wear an N95." The person tending to you is going to wear an N95. We've already been through in the last podcast how that doesn't constitute an exposure. If you're if you're wearing an N95, you're protected and it's and it's fitting properly, right? Mm-hmm. Now, facial hair might create a, a, a challenge. Um, but they did cut down all those contact. Sure. Right. Right. The, at, at, at the beginning, it was like you know, uh, uh, Clorox wipes everything and all that kind of stuff, and then they realized, wait a minute, this doesn't transmit off surfaces. Right. It's 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 a respiratory issue. So, but here's the funny thing: is that when when you unpack this, you go, wait a minute, we could have with a different perspective. Hey, you guys keep working on new stuff that's specifically for this COVID-19 thingamajigger. But in the meantime, we're going to start treating things aggressively and early with stuff that we already know doesn't make you bleed out your eyes. Right. You know, or don't, doesn't give you anal seepage. Seems like the most logical path of travel. Yes. Again, common sense. Common sense. Common sense. Yeah. Right. And it's funny when I've had these conversations with certain people that are that are all very very pro mandate, they look at like a cow looking at a new gate when I tell them this. It's it, you know they it does not compute. Right. Which way do I go? Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but but hold on here, let's use some common sense. We have proven medications. Now they may not be proven for COVID. Fine, but but we're going to sit around and do nothing. Or are we going to say, hey, why don't you try something that's already been deemed safe? Because I'm not talking it about. It wasn't paid for by. Well, I'm going to say it wasn't paid for because it. Because of who it's connected to. Well, the R&D has already been done on all of those drugs. They don't stand to make any more money. Right. However. There's got to be a reason, though. Let's think about it, though. There's Follow the money. Follow the money. Right. right? Who's investing in new BioNTech, right? Any and all of them. 
and you know whether it's Moderna, BioNTech, or anybody else. My point is, I'll go back. We all know this all goes back to Bill Gates anyway. So just, <laughs> let's just put it out there. Let's just say no comment. He is behind it all. No comment. It's okay uh, to comment because this is this is the podcast. This is I know, but but yeah. So I have some suspicions, but. Uh, my, my point about this perspective is we've been, and, and I've heard reports, I haven't seen anything with my own eyes, but I've heard reports of small town doctors that weren't connected to a large hospital conglomerate that were doing exactly this. And they were getting fantabulous results with their patients. Their patients were recovering quickly. They were not getting ho- patients that were hospitalized. They were not getting, their patients were not getting put on ventilators. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you wait till you're at 85% O2 saturation, you're already getting your ass kicked. Odds are you're going to end and up on a ventilator. And you don't have the ability to fight Correct. anything Correct. with that Correct. O2 level, right? Correct. So, yeah, I get it. They're like, let's bring it in while they're almost dying. Exactly. And then Re- we'll be like, ah, oh, it's another COVID death. Correct. Oh, but, there's another mark on but, the board. Right. Let's get more funding for COVID vaccinations. Right. And then the list goes on and on. Correct. Now, connect the dots a little bit. If there's one of the reasons that I believe, my personal opinion, one of the reasons that, that ivermectin and some of the other uh, medications that were um, that are out there and popular um, Joe Rogan has has caught an enormous amount of crap for the ivermectin. for the ivermectin yeah. and his stance on that and the cocktail that he took when he was when he was diagnosed with COVID. But his living proved that it worked. But he made a he made a really really quick recovery. Now, uh, Rogan is also a very fit individual. Uh-huh. Rogan has um, a lot of money, so he, so the cost of a medication doesn't matter to him. He doesn't he doesn't need insurance. Why would to, ivermectin cost that much? Well. It may not, it doesn't, but one of the things that happens, if you look back at the rules in order to get an EUA, what's that emergency use authorization Okay. that all of these, that all of these other newly developed COVID-19 shot sequences were, were distributed under the emergency use authorization by the FDA. You, one of the caveats in order to get one is you cannot have any other treatment that works that's available so can you repeat that okay in order to get an eua mm-hmm. issued by the fda okay an emergency use authorization issuance by the fed the the u.s fda the food and drug administration okay the people that that sanction drugs and not sanction drugs right in order to be eligible to get an eua there for a treatment there can be no other treatments already on the market if you if there's already other treatments on the market uh-huh this was this is designed as a fail so this is how they got it through correct because, it's how they got the view because the, it's a new virus well covid right well covid19 right was was new but it wasn't because of that it was because they propaganda wise oh no ivermectin doesn't help hydroxychloroquine doesn't help you Pfizer gave you these don't work messed up situations. These these oh, don't. Johnson and Johnson was like the like, well that was that was the clot shot you know. Yeah. But but the idea that that <laughs> hey just call it the clot shot. the clot shot yeah there there's no other um, 
if there's already a treatment available, right. they're not going to give somebody the, think about, think about like, you know, in all the movies, you got the, you got to lift the, the, the guard and then you got to turn the key before you can hit the red button, right? right? For, for something like that. We're not going to let you hit the red button and let you jump through all and, and, and bypass all of the studies and all of everything before we issue you a, yeah, it's okay for you to, to manufacture and market this drug. Unless there's nothing else available. Well, the thing is, is that all of these big pharma companies stand to make a lot of money in the development of, and the government's paying for all their R and D costs. So this is a hundred percent pure profit for these guys. Yeah, hundred percent. It it it's weird because what's the next what's the next level of this? You know, you're telling me that the government's paying for all this R and D for these big farmers to make tons of money. Yep. What are they going to do with this money? Well, um. Because I mean, it's, it's not like it's going to go to the hard workers. No. Right? No, it's going to lie. It's going to be like, oh, we're going to pay all of our employees. The, yeah, the employees and the executives are going to get monster bonuses, and, and the people that own stock options or are, 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 that have stock are, are everybody's going to make a lot of money. This is about money. Like, yeah. follow the money. Um, so, But they're going to fund. I, I have a suspicion that it's going to go to like more funding of something even bigger. Um, right now, I don't see that. I could be wrong. But right now, I think it's just going to go to somebody's wallet or their Swiss bank account. Yeah. I, I mean, really. You've got people, Fauci notwithstanding, um, that stands to make a So COVID's like a cash cow. Yeah, it's a cash cow. It's a cash cow. And, and, and it's a cash cow because there's no risk for the pharmaceuticals in their development because the government's paying for the R&D. You know it. Right. Right. It's kind of how the 747 got built. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? Tell me. I, I don't know a lot about the 747, but the, I want well, to hear the 747 has been a cash cow for Boeing for years, right? Yes, um, and now it's no longer a cash cow because it's going out. Right. So, but the thing about the 747 is that Boeing didn't have to pay for all the R and D. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at the government do it for Air Force One. Yeah. uh, No, it wasn't for that. It was for a different, for a freighter. And what Boeing did is they did a design where there was a kneeling landing gear in the, in the front. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't even care if they got the contract. Wasn't a big deal. It was like they submitted their design, their proposal. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, here's here's our design. We got a landing gear that kneels, that the front opens up for cargo, and you can drive your your military vehicles on. It'll it'll handle the cargo that you the you know, the, the payload weight that you spec'd out. No, we want a high wing option. Okay, cool. Scratch the kneeling landing gear, and now they've the government paid for all of Boeing's R and D on the seven forty seven. Wow. A long time ago, I worked for Boeing. But it doesn't have a high wing, though, does it? Boeing does not, but the other, but the one that they were competing against did. Oh, the Antonov? Uh, no, the Antonov was Russian. Oh. They weren't competing against Russia. Oh, okay. Airbus? Uh, I don't know who the competitor was, honestly. Yeah. Who makes, who makes a bigger bet, bigger jet than 
The 747, the only thing I can think of is... C-58. Oh, the C-58, yeah. McDonnell Douglas. Was that still when McDonnell Douglas was separate? Um, I thought Lockheed Martin was C-58. Maybe. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I, C-58. I'm only like 10% sure on that. I don't know. So, but anyway. The, 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 I don't have the airplane but, history. But the, but the general gist of, of it was, I, when I was a kid, I was a total airplane nerd. Um, but so much like has changed it. and I've forgotten a lot. But, but the, the point about it is the government is funding an enormous amount. They're, they're writing giant checks that, that they don't, they're just printing money in order to cover the checks. Okay. Um, so we're all going to end up paying for this mess. But to get back to the whole gist is, is, wait a minute, why are we not exploring already? Why, why are we not exploring um, stuff that's already out there? Because it's not making us any money. Correct. There's no new more. There, there isn't no big money to make. The patent fell off of ivermectin years ago. Yes. And I'm not saying ivermectin's a silver bullet. It's not. Well, what was the other thing that they were using? Um, was there a, a hydroxychloroquine? Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? Um. Well, I think it's it's not popular, but it's. Is that what they called the ivermectin? Was a horse. Well, what CNN, you, CNN you, blatantly lied. Okay, so a- absolute, and that's why absolutely completely that's why lied. Joe Rogan was so defamed about it. Because Correct, because because some dip dipo on on CNN went on and said, you know, Joe Rogan's taking a horse tranquilizer right. or a horse dewormer. Okay, ivermectin was developed forty years ago, and in that forty years, it has been administered four billion with a B times in 2014 or 15 so ivermectin has been distributed how many times four billion times to treat river blindness was a big one right humans Um, humans okay humans yes it was developed and in 2014 or 15 the people that developed i don't know if it was an individual or or uh, a couple of people I, i think it was a couple of people the people that developed it were awarded the Nobel Prize for their contribution to humanity, not to agriculture, mm-hmm. not to veterinary medicine, but to humanity. Interesting. Nobel Prize for the good that ivermectin has done in the last four decades. So when when you have a news outlet or a, a self-purported news outlet like CNN that and, and this is one of the things that Rogan is really, really upset about. I, I've, I've seen, again, I'm not a Joe Rogan worshiper. I'm not a Joe Rogan fanboy. I think he runs a nice podcast. I think he's a terrific interviewer. He lets things flow, and he does a real good job of closing open loops. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with his person, with all of his personal beliefs, but I agree with some of them. And that's okay. Um, so, uh, again, but I've seen him absolutely grill a couple of people about no this whole cnn story was lies they're presenting this this anderson cooper uh no it was sanjay gupta sanjay, yeah, that's right i remember um, that yeah and and at least in that one and i think he said it in other other places too but that's the one that i personally no, it was recall i remember right? listening to that one and and he was just grilling and now he was being polite and respectful to sanjay because it wasn't sanjay that did this but um, 
But he did a lot of backtreading on that interview Sanjay did. He, he did. You could just feel him, just his energy was just like, oh my God, I'm getting attacked. Well, I, I thought Rogan was actually pretty respectable. Well, I, I, respectful. I, I thought he was he was pretty gracious. I think that Sanjay Gupta said, I am getting attacked in the most respectful way possible. Okay. Well, that's okay though. I it mean, is, but he he's needs, being respectful. needs to be accountable for what he said, right? Right. Well, and, and I and that's where we don't have in these days is we don't have media accountability. Correct. Correct. And I, to my knowledge, I didn't think it was. I didn't think that Rogan was accusing um, Mr. Gupta of of purporting this. It was the the because Gupta is one of his employers is CNN. He he is a he he's an employee of CNN in, in some capacity, but it's a contract or whatever. But you know, Rogan was was wanting Gupta to to hold CNN accountable and go go back and go, dude, you can't do this, and and it was blatant freaking lies, right? Um, so is is ivermectin a ingredient that is used to deworm horses? Yeah, but you know, it's so funny when when a a outlet a, a when a media publication. Um, likes to present themselves as news, not gossip. Um, I, I've had this this conversation with somebody who's a personal friend of mine who happens to um, think politically differently than I do, um, and that's okay. Um, but you know, he was like, "He's taking horse dinger." I, I, I go, "Stop! You're you're parroting." A line, a line from CNN. I've heard the same thing, man. And, and, I, and I looked at him and I said, "Did you know that that the people that that invented this got the the Nobel Prize for Humanity?" He goes, yeah. "No." It's just a, it's a, it's such a blinder theory, like correct. You know what I mean? I've got these blinders on. The media is feeding me everything I need to know. I don't need to listen to anything else because I right. trust what's coming out of my TV box. Right, and and, and I'll be the look. Based on our conversation and the flow of it, there might be people that are listening. And go, oh, Davey must like Fox News. You know what? I don't like any of them. I don't watch any of them. Neither do I. That's why I'm so not up to date with what's going on. Why I have to have you on the show <laughs> to help me figure out what's going on? Well, it's the thing is, is that this information is out there. You just and, and here's the funny thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in in our last the last time we sat down, I, I talked so glowingly about my wife, and, and she's really amazing. Um, I'm the kind of person that that I can get kind of emotionally charged up about um, some of this kind of stuff. I think we all should get emotionally charged well, up about stuff like this because the problem is that I want to run out of my front door with a pitchfork. No, you don't. And and, and, and just be make sure you're clothed first before you run outside with the pitchfork. Okay, um, but but the challenge is is that now my wife is Norwegian, which means that emotions are optional. Uh huh. And. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm absolutely incredible. Awesome. I'm incredibly proud to be married to her to a Norwegian, and it's so funny. So she can like turn them off, and she, and, and she can turn off the emotion, mm-hmm. and she can, um, and she has a a personal interest about human humanity's health. Mm-hmm. So she'll go down these rabbit holes, but she leaves the emotion behind, mm-hmm. and she'll go dig through, sift through medical journals she'll sift through uh charts that are posted on cdc's website yeah and i'm just going oh my and then she'll be able to come to me and and to her that's a form of recreation 
Now, not recreation that she doesn't take it seriously, but she actually, that that's relaxing for her. Again, I want to run out the front door Who with a pitchfork. Marry? Who did you marry? A pretty amazing woman. I really did. I so anybody I, who wants to read medical journals for a hobby, I'm telling you, um, when when uh, when we go see our naturopath for for my my yearly physical and and well not you know to review the blood work and so forth. Um, prior to COVID, my wife would come with me, and she and the doctor would start kvitzing back and forth. Talking about speaking their own language, speaking their own language. And I'm just going, okay, when you two ladies are done, just tell me what I got to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, my wife would say something and and the doctor, oh, that'd be great. Yes. You know, and if we, and, and they're finishing each other's sentences. Oh man. I'm serious. They're on the same, which is, which is, you know, this is a bromance. Uh, You don't have a bromance with chicks, right? I I don't know what else to call it. But anyway, I feel the, the that's why she went to the doctor with you because yeah. she can't wait to talk to another doctor. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what I'm what I'm very very grateful for is that I've got I feel incredibly blessed that my my wife and my doctor are on the same page, yeah. and and um I've got somebody to kind of hold my hand and and walk me through this stuff because you know what, look I want to live my best life I want to but. I will forget to take my vitamins in the morning. Right. Because I'm busy. I got things to do. I don't take vitamins. You should. I should? You should. Do you, you mean I can't get vitamins from all the vegetables and the fruits? And nope, not enough. Regular, really? Not enough. Not enough? Not enough. Dude, uh, you know those fishing, the, the clear tackle boxes with the, all the little compartments? You got one? My wife has a bigger one than I do, and I've outgrown the one that I have. Come on. I'm serious. You guys are like real fish. When, when, when I get home, I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you. You'll you see what I'm talking about. I'm The supplements that we take, yeah. it's a huge... But you know what? When I don't take them, I feel it. Really? Yes. I feel... I, yeah. So let me ask you a question. Go. Okay, let's say you don't take them for like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then you get back on the horse, right? Right. Do you notice it like immediately? No. No. Here's the weird thing about it is that when you notice it is when you, when I stop taking them and it's, a, it's almost like coming off of a cliff of a feeling with, with energy and, and, and your body. But when you, when I start taking them again, you know, if I miss them for a day or two, um, it's kind of a slower ramp up. So you don't no, you don't get like a high out of when you start taking them. Send me a vitamin schedule. So I know what to take when. Okay. I know I, I should take more like joint stuff for sure. Uh huh. That's the big one. Yeah. Fish oil. That's good for your heart. What's good for your joints? Shark cartilage? Uh, glucosamine. 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 That replaced shark cartilage like in the 70s, didn't it? Uh, I, it's, it, yeah. The, the thing about it is that just like anything, mm-hmm. you get what you pay for. And if you go buy really crappy vitamins, mm-hmm. You get crappy vitamins. You get crappy vitamins, and, and basically they go right down the toilet because they don't they, they don't get absorbed into your body. You know, I don't I don't want to advertise for this place, but do you ever um, shop at Onnit Labs? Nope. I have, and I can't say whether or not it's great or not, but I have mm. gotten some fish oil, some supplements, sure. some workout right. stuff from them. Their creatine is pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. I will say they're creating yeah, yeah. a big buzz. 
you know what, when you, now that I think about it, I think I have, I, I think I have seen an Onnit product in our cabinet. We have, uh, we like to stick with Neutralite mm -hmm. and if Neutralite makes it, we use it from them. If it doesn't, then sometimes, because they don't make everything, sometimes we'll, uh, we will source other stuff that Neutralite doesn't make, um, from other places. So, um, but you know, after, after almost 22 years of doing my job, my, my hormones are destroyed. Seriously. My, my body chemistry, I've got to take, my cortisol levels are all, they're, they're wrecked. So I take a cortisol supplement first thing in the morning and I take a cortisol, uh, it's called cortisol manager, um, uh, at nighttime, right before bed. What does cortisone do? Cortisol. Cortisol, sorry. It, it helps, um, work. It, it's one of those hormones that works in, in sort of, um, It helps with your body processing the adrenaline, but my adrenal glands are destroyed. Oh yeah. Cause your job. Okay, yeah. I get it now. Right. Yeah. Um, and my testosterone production is completely messed up. Pooped out. Yep. Yeah. So I've been on, um, you're growing man boobs now. And nope. Okay. Nope. Not grow man boobs, but I, but I'm doing, um, I've got some supplemental, um, hormone re replacement or hormone supplemental therapy, um, which has been amazing. Um, how old are you? 47, 47. And I've been on it since, um, well, going on eight years. Wow. Um, and I, and I'll tell you this, I will, um, I had to, um, I had to switch clinics. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I came off of it for about a month and a half in that process, I was, more tired. I was grouchy. I was irritable. Mm. Um, my wife was like, would you please, I, I got to wait. And cause you're switching up your whole, well, it was, it, it, I went right, you know, at the new clinic it was like, Hey, this is, this is the, the, the dosing that I was taking. Um, and it was working really, really well. And then, and, and they said, well, your numbers are a little bit jacked up, but you also just came off of it because you switched clinics. So, let's let's try this and then here you know in a couple of months we'll we'll do some blood work and we'll 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 check it because i, I want to make sure we get you dialed in and it turned out that going right back to it and, and that basically that same dose is like my blood works awesome and and then we get the double blind test um when our uh, primary care practitioner uh our primary care provider does their blood work and then we review all of that together. So um, I'm not just taking only one doctor's word for what my levels are. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm using one doctor, one clinic, because it's the, it's the lowest cost for me to get a quality product. But then I've got another one that is like, dude, your numbers are awesome. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Okay, cool. So you kind of had it right the first time. We had it right the first time, but I had yeah. to switch clinics because, the, um, well they wanted a welch on a contract that we signed and they wanted up significantly uh, increased so they rates. left you high and dry for a little bit just well it was you know they were like oh no we can but we got to like double our rates i'm going well it's no <laughs> it's like wait a minute I, we signed this contract that says in perpetuity because i because i got it on a special right that hey if i signed up during this window of time that my price would never change my dosing hasn't changed and then they went back on that and then they tried to go back on it it was like and and you know they finally said well we have new ownership so we're not obligated by that contract Gotcha. Um, like okay, fine. Man, See ya. Elf insurance. 
Uh, actually, none of it's covered by health insurance. None of it? None of it. This is. Well, this, you go through a different. It's all out of pocket. Yeah, because so, you go through a naturopath? Uh, well, no. Because my my testosterone levels were not low enough. It's, here's the challenge. When you're dealing with a naturopath, they're trying to get you as an individual, not not everybody, to live your what's perfect for you. Because your body's different than my body. Right. And that's good because yes. I, I wanted to know the difference okay. between a regular healthcare provider and a naturopath. Okay. So the naturopath perspective is, now this is my interpretation, is they want to help you live your optimal life. Mm -hmm. They use a lot of blood work because what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, hey, what's causing the problem? So these are like legitimate doctors. Yeah. They're naturopath doctors. <coughs> And the letter N is in Nancy, N-D. When I, oh, because when I hear naturopath, I think oh, hippie skippy. And stuff, right. You know? Well, I, sure, there's some of them that are like that, but there's also ones that are not. Now, if you've got bone showing because you broke your arm, you don't need a naturopath. You need an MD, as in, you Emergency know, room. M doctor and an ER that's going to give you, you know, anesthesia and they're going to, you know, right. put you out and they're going to open you up and they're going to do the surgery and put you back together and... But if you're looking for long-term... Correct. See, the thing about the medical doctors, Western medicine doctors, is they... Let's say you've got high blood pressure. Okay, here's a pill. Take a pill. The naturopath says, okay, why do you have high blood pressure? Can we help you figure out either with change in diet, change in lifestyle, or... Can we help you with maybe, uh, is there a dietary supplement that we can help you with that would, you know, is your, is your blood pressure high because you've been, you haven't been sleeping very well? Okay. Maybe your blood pressure is high because you're all jacked up and you're not sleep because you're not sleeping well. So how do we help you sleep better? Your blood pressure is high because you're taking 95 shots of caffeine because you're, because you're not getting good sleep. Oh, hey, wait a minute. You're not getting good sleep because you've got sleep apnea. Hey, let's get you on a sleep apnea, you know, on a CPAP machine. You, you I'm sleep. sure I qualify for all four of those. Well, and I'm just giving a hypothetical, right? Um, but the idea is um, they want to help you root out. They're, they're looking for the source. They're not looking to treat the symptom. Right. That's the key. Correct. That is and so now look, if you've got really, really high blood pressure, maybe it's a good idea to use a collaborative approach while your naturopath is working on getting your blood pressure under control by addressing the cause. Maybe your blood pressure is so high, it's dangerous for a stroke or something like that. So yeah, go ahead and take the medicine, but you know, Hey, every couple of months, go see your doc. And in the meantime, you know, your Western medicine doc that's giving you that medication. But in the meantime, you work with your naturopath to figure out, okay, can we try other healthier approaches, more holistic approaches to figuring out what is the cause of this high blood pressure? Sometimes they can't. Sometimes it's just hereditary and you're stuck with high blood pressure, buddy. So you need to take the damn pill. Like I said in my last podcast, yeah. yeah, there's like, I had to cut down my caffeine in, right. in the morning because it was so much. Sure. That it ruined yeah. everything. Like yeah. I was having just high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. What comes with high blood pressure is just just a crazy feeling of anxiety as well. And like sure. Just 
It's like it's too much at once. Right. But the point and the reason why I was doing it was because, like, man, I just want to wake up, get through the day. Right. You know what I mean? I want to be on top. I want to be able to perform. And then I want to have psychotic effects in my head. Right. (laughs) You just had to go sexual with this, didn't you? No, I said psychotic. You know, you said wake up and be on top of things and perform. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I never even thought about that. No, I'm like on top of the world, you know. I'm ready to work. Sean's gonna edit this out. I will edit this out. This is so inappropriate. Right. So, so hey, um, you know. But the God thing designed is, sex is, to feel good for a reason. I just wanted to be awake. Sure. You know no, what I, I mean, it. and feel awake. And yeah, absolutely. Be ready to work. Um, because I don't sleep well at night. Right. I'm just a natural. The earliest I get to bed is like 10.30. Mm-hmm. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. Right. That's a long... Jocko gets up at 4.30. He does. What do we have in common? <laughs> you get up at 4.30 in the morning? <laughs> Nothing even compared to the guy. The guy's an animal. Yeah. Um. But yet, I still need more sleep. I should go to bed earlier. But my okay. brain doesn't shut down. Okay. You know, it's just the way my life throughout time... Sure. Has operated right. I when I was I, I shared with you earlier that I did work at Boeing for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and I'd get up at four thirty um, because I worked the six to two thirty shift. Yeah, that's I and, worked the five thirty two. Yeah, and so, um, but at that time in my life, I was, you know, young and single, and and I could control when I went to bed, and I basically went to bed at nine thirty. I couldn't do that. Well, I, I'm not saying you can't problem, I, I, or you could. I, I'm just saying that's what I was able to do. I think here's the problem, though, is that I will fall asleep at around 5 o'clock mm-hmm. in, the, in the afternoon. Okay. And, and it's not because I chose to. It's because I sat down for just enough time to relax. Right. And I took a nap. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, good morning. The sun's not up, but I'm wide awake. Right, you know, and you, so you, your circadian rhythm is all messed up. Yeah, my circadian is all jacked up. Yeah. Right, so, um, you know, it's been funny. I've been out of, out of ops for the last the last day I worked in ops was December thirteenth. Next, I misspoke. Sorry, October thirteenth. October thirteenth. October thirteenth. I was gonna say because it's not even December. 13th. Correct. So I've been out of ops for almost eight weeks. Um, How's your circadian rhythm going? Well, it, it's, I don't know because I don't know how to, how to measure that. I don't either. But um, now here's the funny thing. You, it, I, I'm not Charles Atlas. Right? What I want to know is how's your adrenaline like? I don't know. Like how is that? How are you dealing with that? Are you storing it up right now? Are you like, you know what I mean? Well, honestly, Sean, um, what I heard um earlier on in my career or partway through my career was that when they were doing autopsies on firemen, uh-huh. um, that they had their adrenal glands were as decimated as people that were like lifetime Coke addicts. Whoa. Um, so you could be going through like a massive, well, if, if your adrenal systems, you know, your adrenaline system, and if that's all jacked up, if yeah. it's not working correctly, because 
you know, here's the funny thing, you know, you go to, you go to a fire station and, and the bells would, the lights would come on in the station at the same time that the bells would hit. Right. And that triggers. Right. And, and some, you know, idiot architect decided that. So what you're telling me is that a cocaine addict, yeah. all he needs is lights and bells in his house and he doesn't need to go to see the man. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, uh, you know, come ride the maybe rig with a pole to slide. Yeah, yeah, come ride the rig with me. Um, <laughs> you just but, save so many addicts a lot of money. Yeah, no, I think they're still going to pursue it. I'm, but I'm but, pretty sure you're right. Yeah, but but the general gist was was that your your adrenaline glands get so overused. You know, I walk into a place and and you know. A bell, a light would turn on because somebody else would flip a switch, or it was a motion light that came on. And you'll on have a response to it, like, and, and I'd feel yeah. like my heart skip a beat. PSD, PTSD. Well, right? maybe. P, yeah, yeah. Um, I heard something. I, Do you think? No, no. I, I think that that's absolutely. Uh, we're, we're, we're in that wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, somebody, I heard a podcast. Uh, I believe it was Andy Stump, um, interviewing. Marcus Luttrell, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, I need to go back and re-listen to it and figure it out because. But I'm I'm almost positive it was Andy Stump's cleared cleared hot podcast. Okay. But they were talking about we most people in America know what PTSD is. Right. The problem is is that that D is stigmatizing the problem. The disorder being a, a disorder. Because here's the thing, if you get sick mm-hmm. and your body has a fever, right? is that fever the disorder? No. no the fever is a healthy response to your body get going, hey, I've got this nasty pathogen in here, i got to get rid of it, so I'm going to give myself a fever. Okay, so, but are we comparing apples to oranges? No, 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 I, I, I don't think so, because when we, and, and the other one that, that um, I was just listening to um, that, Dude, it, it brought me to tears. Was um, Sarah Wilkinson being interviewed by uh, Jocko Willink on Jocko's podcast? Um, Sarah's uh, husband uh, was a SEAL operator and and took his own life. Wow! And she's out on a mission to um, um, raise awareness for uh, veteran suicide and and try to get this problem solved. And I, I, I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I got it working on the background while I'm, while I'm working on the house or playing in the background while working on the house. And it, right. it's, I got tears coming down my cheeks because I'm, I'm like, Oh my oh God. My God. I hate that when I'm at work and I just want to ball. Right. And, and I, I, I'm just, you're stuck. Yeah. 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 So, but you're, you're at your house. You can crawl. I crawl. I want, right. I'm surrounded by 3000 people. I'm like trying to suck it in. Yeah. But you got a beard, you, you know, you, you <laughs> cry got into my beard. Right. Right. You got crying. <laughs> but, but the point is, is, is the, We've been conditioned to use this term PTSD, right. and and what Stump and and, and his guests were, were talking about, were it's not a disorder if your body's having this reaction to a legitimate threat. So what we need to call it is we need to call it a PTSI, PTS post traumatic stress injury, because what's actually happened, it's measurable, is there's been an injury to your brain. Yeah. Your brain's been injured. Yeah. Now, now, uh, Miss Wilkinson was, uh, I, I believe it's Wilkinson, not Wilkerson, but, but, um, the, she was apparently her, her husband, uh, was, uh, 
exposed to an enormous number of blast injuries. With with his various tours, he was around concussive um, and ordinance and kicking doors and, and, and stuff like that. So so and that can produce like over time a lot of brain injury. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. So um, imagine being a, a linebacker, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right, right. Um, so the the general the the we got to have a culture shift that. Because there's an enormous amount of, of police and fire in addition to, and I don't want to, I want to be very careful that I don't disrespect or minimize what our, what our service members have, have gone through. Um, I, I wouldn't think that you would. Well, I, I just, I, I want to be very, very clear that, that I'm not trying to say that, hey, I'm on the same level, but you know, in that particular interview, she's outlining, she goes, yeah, their testosterone levels get all jacked up. Their adrenal glands get all messed up. They're, they're, why are all these super fit, super healthy 30 and 40 year olds on CPAP machines because they got sleep at me? And I'm going, um, well, that's me. There's a really simple example of that. Imagine this is your adrenal gland and this is how much adrenaline you have left in your gland at the age of 47. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then what happens when it has to fire off? That's what your adrenal right. looks like. Yeah. So So if you don't know what I just did. He crumpled up a I had a little water bit bottle. of tiny bit of water, maybe a teardrop size of water in a water bottle. And then I opened the cap a little bit and squeezed it and then closed the cap so that the vacuum of the cap would hold the bottle. It's all crushed. Crushed. Yeah. And that's what your adrenal gland will look like after 46 years of being a fireman. Could be. I that, That's because beyond me. But that's the picture you drew from in yeah. my head. Well, it's, it's, I, I, I you know, I, I'd kind of like to, to dive. I, I want to give it more credit than that, but this is honestly what I pictured. Sure. I, I, I wish I had more. I honestly wish I had more time to investigate that. Um, you know, and that's where we, you know, gosh, we're bringing this right back to full circle. I mean, I would love to have the time and the options to pursue what I'm curious about. Right? I mean, that's what it... it Do you think that in that interview... Yeah. When when she was talking about the adrenal gland and yeah. how, much, how much damage he took, and now you want to pursue this, right? Does... Does, is this what drives you to want to pursue this? Is this what? Well, I'm, I'm is this what very selfishly. I'm concerned about. I'm curious about my own health. Absolutely, but you, you know, is that why now you're you're? Well, I mean, you know, be, I mean, before learning all this, sure, was this a, a factor in your mind? Like, well, it was. It was on my mind. Uh, yeah, it was a factor in my mind before hearing her interview with on, on Jocko's podcast. Okay, okay, it, it, it's it's just I I brought it to to. I mentioned it here on yours because it, you know if if your listeners decide that they want to go they want to go listen to it um, it's it's an absolutely um, um, a very soulful journey to listen to her to, to her talk and and share what her and, and her husband went through. I will definitely have to listen. To um, it, it's a very very long for for a Jocko podcast. It's a long one. Oof. It's a long one. Um. So. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, the man is such a tank, but he has such a soul. He does. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. He really gets with the subject, mm-hmm. and like, 
he almost like hugs it. Yeah. Yeah. And when I listen to him speak, it's like he's so soulful with what he says. Right. You wouldn't expect that. When you if you ran into that dude on the city street, you would be like, step away from that guy as far as you can. Right. But when he speaks, he speaks like his words are embracing. Well, he's got an intensity about him. He right? does. But it's but it's not an intimidating intensity. Not at all. Not you know, at all. It's, Verbally it's not intimidating. Right. It, right. Not at all. Um part of it is a huge misconception with people that are trained to be dangerous well but you know the thing is is that you know let's get back to jordan peterson jordan peterson has talked about uh you know and and rogan asked him to clarify it a little bit on on one of the i think he's been on rogan like four times or something like that but one of his you know he's been on there a lot lot, right and and i love listening to him because it's a it's always a terrific listen has a a real mind expanding perspective absolutely and and so but Peterson talks about, look, a good man, and, and and I don't want to be sexist about this, but I'm a man. I'm concerned about being the best man I can be. Absolutely. Right? You shouldn't um, be focused on being anything else. Right. I agree. So um, when, when he talks about a good man is a very dangerous man that has it voluntarily under control. I, I think that's as close to a direct quote as I can recall. And, and he... Look, I... That's what I aspire to be. Yeah. You know, you guys don't know this because you haven't known me long enough. I have got a temper that will make all of the demons of hell run in fear. I've just spent my entire adult life learning how to keep it caged. It's there and it's still there. And when I see injustice, oh, that beast, that, that beast starts to stir a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not some trained hand-to-hand combat person. I've, I've, you know, I did a little bit of Taekwondo when I was younger, but dude, I'm 6'2 and 235 pounds and I'm fit. When that beast comes out in me, whoever I'm up against is going to wish they hadn't gone there. Do you ever wonder why that's why students are polite with you? so polite so so polite <laughs> no i just it's because you're you're an animal dude look at you well but I, the thing nobody is nobody wants th- nobody's gonna piss you off but i'm th- to th- your face but i'm there with love yeah they're out of I, love i get it i get it i'm there because i want to give to them i understand it but look at the world we live in as everything sure. is a visual perspective right yeah when i see davy for the first time it took me a lot of nerve tell him that he did not search and assess or what yeah that, that first time yeah yeah it took me a lot of nerve because i was like I, I, I do i call this out or do i let it go under the rug right you know but it was like maybe this is a teaching point maybe this is a learning point maybe this is how me and davy connect right 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 because in all things correctiveness or sure. whether if it's a lesson or yeah. If it's just sharing something, even if you prove me wrong, we still right. need to connect somehow. Well, and 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 in that particular moment, I, I'm I'm so thankful that you recall that interaction. I really am because I recall it. That, that was our first real that one-on-one was our interaction. For one-on-one interaction. Our first yeah. first one-on-one interaction. Absolutely, yeah. And and I was to this day, I'm I'm. I still I thought I did. 
But what it, what I had to do is I had to step out of my ego Mm -hmm. and I had to go, wait a minute. I've got a whole lot of new shit stuff. Sorry. I have a whole lot of new stuff. You can bleep that out. I can't. I, I, there's, I, there's not going to happen. I have a whole lot of, of new stuff that I'm trying to work through here. Mm-hmm. Stuff that I haven't been taught before. And here you are. You're observing. Right. And so I don't know if you recall, but at first I argued with you. Correct. And after I had a moment of some introspection... I don't know if you recall, but I also came back and I apologized to you. I, I recall that. That day is the day that grew us. Yeah. So I cannot forget that. Because I was wrong. I, right. I was in the wrong. But here's what's funny. Imagine yeah. when we go to heaven, right? Yeah. And we're like, we can look back on that and we can be like, oh my God, I was wrong the whole time. He did search in his ass. Well, <laughs> but, but, you but know. in the moment, but I wa- I was, I remember specifically watching you. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically you being my focus at that time. Sure. And I remember you going right to a reload. And I was like, what happened to the search? Right. You know what I mean? Um, or it was a, it was the reload. Anyway, they well, all did I, not. I didn't do something the way that, that, that was being taught. Right. And I, and so I was, was like, there's something missing in, in right. what's going on here. And yeah. Bring it. And what was missing was the search. As you did not do the 360 scan. Right. I do, to this day, I do have like some argument on the 360 scan because I think you can go left and right sure to a certain point where you can view 360 and 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 when I had I think a lot of people do that naturally when I've been on the after I crossed over to to the instructor side mm-hmm. I've been less um just like one of the things we talk about, we'd usually make a comment either in the classroom or, or early in the day is like, beware of the instructor that tells you there's only one right way to do things. So if somebody doesn't feel like doing a pirouette, I don't care. What I care about is that you check 360 degrees around. If I'm standing behind you and you can make eye contact me oh. with those directions. Right. Then we're good. Sure. Right. And, and, and so, uh, you know, the, we don't have a camera like Rogan does, but so you can't see what I just did. But, right. but if I can, if I he can just flipped his head, right. If I can turn my head, neck and torso and, you know, and, and maybe pivot at the hips just enough that I can catch, you know, not 360, but I can go, I can go not 180 to each direction, but I can go 200 degrees to each direction mm-hmm. with my field of view. Right. I'm good. You've overachieved. Well, not point, not about overachieving. Well, I've, I've, I've covered all 360 degrees. Right. Right. So now because we all have different bodies, um, different potentially well, injuries. You know what? Larger people probably can't turn that well. Right. Right. They, they may not be able to. So they may have to. Pray. Right. My wife is, is relatively thin, but my wife has, um, kind of a, a degenerate neck condition. So she can do like a 360 just on her neck. No, no. As a matter of fact, her neck is, is essentially stiffer. She, she she can't okay. because of the degenerative challenge. She can't move. Cystic fibrosis. No no no. It's 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 just uh, she's just got a degenerative situation. I don't know if they yeah. pinned a certain name on it. But so for her. Um, now here's the other thing. In a lot of other other joints, she's hypermobile. Mm-hmm. So the neck condition could actually. I'm I wonder and and. This isn't a secret, but I wonder if, if, you know, is, is the hypermobility something that actually, Hey, she was able to, and maybe in her younger years moved it more than 
she was supposed to, or more, more than God's designed intent. I don't know. And I'm not trying to throw stones at it, right? It, it's just, it, if you're hypermobile, mm-hmm. and, you know, our joints are only designed to, to go a certain way. But if you've got a connective tissue disorder, like, say, EDS... What is EDS? I don't know what the fancy name is, but it's a real, it's an honest to God, real disorder. If you have like, say EDS, you, you know, you can't move your neck as well. Well, no, you're, you're, you're crazy hypermobile. So maybe you move it too much when you're not realizing it. So as a young age, you have maybe. EDS. Is that what well, you're yeah. EDS is something that you got like your whole life. Okay. It might not be diagnosed, but it's, it's basically your hypermobile. So, um, that's, that's one of the types. There's a whole, it's, it's dude, it, I'm scratching the surface on this one. And maybe I, I, I want to be a good time to be a yoga instructor during EDS. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then you just make your students cash in on that EDS, you cash in on the EDS and then just make your students <laughs> feel like they're totally inadequate. So, yeah, but, um, so yeah, so for, so for some people, if they're, you know, look, if they've had a neck fusion, yeah. You're not going to be able to turn your head and neck that much. So you're going to have to learn how to move your body. But we've had students that came through that, that had a knee replacement or, or had other joint challenges and they're going to have, you know, I don't want to be, um, when I'm on the instructor side, I want to be positive, uplifting and encouraging. Hey, this is what we're, t- I don't necessarily care how you do it, right. but I want to make sure that you, you figure out a way for you that's going to work for you to you can make sure that hey you just checked 360 degrees super important right right it's it's and, and it doesn't matter even if it's taking a knee or shooting from an awkward stance yeah you want to make sure that they can do it in a way that they can train in right repetitive sure so that when it comes back to recall yeah they know exactly what knee they can go down on yep which way they can lean comfortably right you know, so they can set themselves up for a for a winning situation, or at least a fighting a, chance. A fighting chance, right? You had a fighting <laughs> chance. chance. Gee, gee, you think maybe that's a convenient name for a for an instruction group? That was, that was my idea, but yeah, or oh, really fighting chance? Yeah, fighting chance. That's cool. you know, the whole idea behind it was like, what are we, what are we offering them? Give them a fighting chance. A fighting chance, right? Right. right? We're not offering them tactical this or or you know i was like all we want is a fighting chance right so it stuck yeah that's cool and i was like wow that's actually very ringy yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's awesome so but yeah it's that's just kind of how things grow i mean it is um yeah we were so we were talking about yeah eds oh yeah all right and then how we would train somebody yeah okay so we want to set them up for success. Sure. Right. In all situations. Yes. Right. It, it's kind of like, it, it, it's almost in a way, it's kind of like when you um, go through like uh, physical therapy or something sure. like that, where you, you need to understand your limitations and your abilities and know how to work with them. Well, work with what God gave you. Throughout your daily life. Sure. Right? And when you have like an injury or something like that, like some people do when they come into a class or mm-hmm. into work, we all have to adapt to our new li- way of life. Sure. Just like, and I'm going to go back to your um, adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. Glad. Now we have to adapt to Davy's new way of life. Sure. To where now he's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. And he's got no outlet for it. Right. right? And that's where that's where those cortisol levels um, come in. I, I'm going to I'm going to confess I don't understand completely the relationship between them, but I know that there's a very strong tie. 
So it, it's one of those ones where I chose not to spend my bandwidth on trying to really unpack all that because I had um, a wife I love and trust and a doctor that I trust and they're on the same page and I'm going, yeah, let's, let's, so awesome. Yeah. You know, um, there are things in our, in our family that, that she just trusts, you know, um, for, for us, uh, I'm, I'm the one that decides and handles automotive maintenance and repairs and, and that sort of stuff. She are you a good diesel mechanic? What's that? Are you a decent diesel mechanic? Yeah. No. Don't tell anybody though. Oh, I'm going to buy diesel. <laughs> Don't tell anybody though, please. Um, I'm so buying a diesel. All right, buy a diesel. Um, I, I want you know what it's the funniest because the year after I bought my F one fifty they came out with the F one fifty diesel yeah it was like the first of the, the first yeah. and I was like oh, I hate you, you know it, it's funny um, my my formal education you may not know this um, my formal education is in vehicle research and design oh really I got a bachelor of science is that where you went to school for yeah, Western yeah and okay. at the time I was there they were the top three program in the world yeah so uh, um. That was a long time ago, but this is a program that put, I think, two cars in the cover of Popular Science. So this this class taught you everything about cars. Uh, it, it taught me um, design, design, and fundamentals and principles. Uh, uh, so, which is kind of great. It's it's almost like you know, if you're going to do, um, like CNC machining, if you get somebody that understands G and M codes, yeah, uh, you can program the machine using a different software, or you can program it with G and M codes. Okay. And that like the GNM codes are were at least now, now I'm showing my age because I don't know if that's changed. Uh, 30 years ago, if you could understand everything was, it, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Boeing still used GMM codes. Well, but, but the GNM codes was something that, that like, Hey, um, depending on, on which machine they had, they had different programming styles, but everybody ran on a foundation of GNM codes. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you knew GNM codes, you could just bypass. It didn't matter which. So you could put your block in there and just what what whatever material you're going to machine, and and you could you could write it with GNM, you know write your machining sequence with GNM codes. Nice. So um, anyway, um, there's I'm sure there's going to be experts that listen to this or hear this that go this guy does not know what he's talking about. You know what? I'm not professing to know what I'm talking about. I'm how big ge I, general gist idea. You want to know how big my following base is? I don't know. It's like, it's like this big. Okay. Well, two numbers. All right. Well, we're still having a good number, or we're still having a nice conversation. No, there's 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 a few out there. Right. It's but, not. I don't like to brag. It's just I'm happy for the ones that do. Right. Yeah, so that's all it is. And, and the reason I'm here is one, I enjoy seeing you, but two, I'm hoping to add value to somebody. You know what, man? Here's how I look at this podcast: is this is such a good way to unload. Yeah. You know what I mean. Think about There's... how long it's been since we've talked, right? Mm -hmm. And how much we've brought to this podcast. Sure. We're all offloading information that we hold in us. Yeah. And this is like healthy. Yeah. It, I think there's, there's, there's this, a big part of that. Yeah. It's completely healthy because yeah. we have, we could talk to our wives about this, mm -hmm. or we could talk to you and me about this. Mm -hmm. They're going to only get so much of it mm -hmm. and we're going to get so much of it. Everybody has their place. Sure. Right. Right. And for us to do this puts us back into our place yeah. as to how we offload stuff. Right. And how we share ideas and stuff that we know that we will understand. Yeah. So therefore we're therapy to each other. Yeah, to a degree. In a sense, right? Sure, sure. Just That's neither one of us are, are professionals. So well, no, we don't have to be professionals. Right, no, you know, right? it's, it's, I think, yeah. What are friends for? Right. 
therapy. Right. Right. That's what I believe. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was, that was the, um, uh, I, I've always, I still don't trust Ford's diesel technology. I could be totally wrong. I, I don't know. See, and when you told me that a couple of weeks ago, I just don't, I just don't, here's the thing. As much as I want to trust Davey, I don't know. Well, I, I'm, I'm not telling you that I know. I'm just telling you I, right now, so far, I don't trust. I'm, I'm open to I'm, trusting Ford about their, their 6.7. It's been around for a few years. Yeah. Right. But their 6.0, their 6.4 were absolute colossal disasters. Um, the last good diesel engine that Ford put out in their, in their F-series pickup was prior to the 6.7. And again, the, to me, the, the jury's still out on the 6.7 mm-hmm. was the 7.3. But Ford didn't make it. Ford outsourced that to International Harvester. That was a corn binder engine. What? Yeah, the 7.3 is corn binder. Really? Yeah, that's why it works so well. And the only reason they left it was because they couldn't get it to pass the emission standards, the new emission standards. So they left it. And then they did the, I can't remember which came first, the 6.4 or the 6.0, but those were just colossal disasters because Ford decided to bring it in-house. Um, the the so Duramax. What couldn't they take from Chevy and GMC Well, to make that work? Well, Nothing, because Chevy's not going to share something with their with their competitor. <laughs> they shouldn't. But come on, we all know you can get that information. Like, there's got to be a way. Well, to you could reverse engineer it, but yeah, do you know that Chevy doesn't build the Duramax. Or, or, or let me refer. The, the the Duramax was not designed by Chevy. Really? No, it's an Isuzu engine. <laughs> when was la- when oh, was the last time you saw an Isuzu dude, diesel broken down on the side of the road? Never. You know. Where you I've don't. Seen, you know where I've seen it? Huh. Generators. Yeah. In, in big. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you do not see a Hino diesel broken down anywhere. They wow. don't they don't break down. That's crazy. And Dodge Dodge has Cummins. Yeah. So you have these automotive makers that have, uh, with the exception of Ford, that have found you know Ford used to. They went, hey, look, rather than than trying to reinvent the wheel, let's go find somebody that already that this is what they do and they do it well. Yeah. I, I've I've said for years if if Ford would reach out to Caterpillar and 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 Ooh, and, could, and contract with Cat yeah for could, an could. inline six in their F series yeah they'd run they'd run Dodge out of business oh yeah they'd, they'd that's a super idea Davey they'd run Dodge right out you of just business. you just like threw them a golden egg yeah, they they won't listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that. and how many people listen to your podcast so, they won't but listen. but you know I'm gonna email it to Ford you should they're uh, gonna have to live to listen to like two hours of stuff before they get their hunting egg, and and yeah, yeah and COVID I don't and, care yeah and, they're like listen to the very end right are you saying we gotta wind this up I mean, we can keep going for three more hours it's, man it's I, I'm gonna wind this up okay I know we can do you can do a three parter drop drop one third every week. It's it's seven thirty. Is it really? Oh yeah. Oh good gosh. Okay. My wife's gonna want me home. I know. And I want to get home. I love uh, my wife. You got any plans for Christmas? Um, we're gonna stay home. Yeah. Um, uh, in in all reality, and um, with the with the changing of uh, the, the the major change in life of of our income stream, um, we are. Uh, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were just talking about this the other night. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I, I'm gonna be a little. Um, I don't think it's going to be an overshare because it's not like weird stuff, but it's, it's, it's acknowledging a, a, a challenge that I have. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, whether it's nature or nurture or a combination thereof, um, my, uh, the book, the five love languages, my love language is gifts. And it's not about the stuff. It's about, Hey, 
if somebody gives me a gift, but they put no thought into it, you can tell right away. Right. Right. It's like you wasted your money. Right. Um, but if somebody gives you a gift, regardless of the cost, but they put a lot of thought into it, you can tell that right away. So w- when, when you saying you're diamonds, guy? no, 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 not, not, not so much. Um, I'm, but when somebody puts to, you know, put some real thought into a gift, sure. it, it means a lot. The challenge is, is that, you know, we've made the decision that, that, um, we're going to be extremely, um, careful financially this year for Christmas in years past um, we felt a little bit more freedom to to have a few more presents under the tree now yeah. there we are still abundantly blessed beyond so many other people in our community mm-hmm. right we have a home overhead a roof overhead we have a home it's got heat it's got electricity um, we have an enormous amount of blessings but for for me it's a personal test and challenge because, um, again, for whatever failures or obstacles or challenges or or messed up whatever I have in my in my history, in my background, in my heart, in my soul, hmm. I gravitate towards material things. Right. Um, it's. I think that's a million thing. Well, I'm not. I'm not proud of this. I'm really. I'm not, not proud it, of it either because you've. I, I like stuff. I like stuff too. I find myself gravitating towards stuff. Right. But here's the thing. Here's the here's the catch to all this. Is like the older I get, yeah. When my daughter asks me what she wants, what, what what I want for Christmas, right? I tell her, you know what? I want it to come from your heart. I want it, even if it's sure. handmade or something simple that just speaks to me. Right. You know what I mean? I'd rather it be something that you thought this is my dad. Right. And one year she got me this coffee cup. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't even have like a handle on it. It's just like a clay cup. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is awesome, right? I mean, I didn't care how much it cost, but to me, it was priceless. Cup of a carpenter, right? And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I love it. Can she top that? I don't know. Well, when she makes me a birthday cake, though, that's pretty dang good. I don't like cake. You love cake? No, I'm serious. I, no, I'm serious. I, I actually don't like cake. Where, where did you come from? I'm 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 weird. I, I like pie. I like pie. You like you're a pie uh, guy. Oh, I'm a pie guy. I, I but do, not a cake guy. I do not like cake. Texture? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a texture thing. Okay. I don't like I don't like cake. Okay, I get it. There's a couple of really 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 odd exceptions to that, but basically I just don't like cake. Awesome. Um, well, everybody knows. Do not send cakes to Davy. Right, right, right. He will but, turn them down. Yeah, but so yeah, the the, the Christmas plans. My um. Uh, my oldest son's coming in from from college, so he'll be home. Um, my youngest son's still at home, so so we'll have the two of them. Um, I think my wife's sister is going to be in town. I think could be wrong. Um, I want to say no. My mother in law is going to be out of town. Okay. So, and I'm almost certain that my my son's girl my oldest son's girlfriend is probably going to join us for some aspect of it um or as much of it as she can are they uh, pretty deep they're well let's put it this way they they met in high school and they went to the same college together in arizona oh wow so i don't know what so they're pe- going to be paying for a wedding pretty soon uh, wait wait no no it's her job it's her dad's job to pay for the wedding you're sean i've paid for two weddings both of mine <sighs> 
I'm I'm done paying for weddings. I think I don't know. I doubt it. I don't Never. know. Look, if I can, if that's a gift that, that that we can afford to give them when that time comes, I Absolutely. would love. I would love to. I don't care about uh, tradition at all. Tradition. I'm only. I, I, I could care less about tradition. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Um, so, how about you? What do you, what do you got planned for for Christmas? Our Christmases are pretty normal. Yeah. We have everybody in state, so we don't have to travel very far. Nice. Uh, we usually go over to Stacy's parents' house on Christmas Eve, and mm-hmm. the kids open up all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we come back on Christmas Day, do our thing, and then go back over there for dinner. Okay. So it's all a tradition. Right, right. It's, it's, we've been doing this for years. You know, it, it's funny. Um, my dad was raised, was adopted by a Swedish family, a first-generation Swedish family. Came over on the boat. Mm-hmm. And um, I never understood. My dad had, had a much deeper tie uh, to Christmas Eve mm-hmm. than he did to Christmas Day. It was just Christmas Eve was a really big thing. And I... Now I almost kind of feel bad for him that that his what was important to him was was very much marginalized oh. because we did everything my my family of origin my my mom my dad my sister my grandmother on my mom's side it was always Christmas morning mm-hmm. but um, when I met and got married to Becky who's from a first generation Norwegian family. Um, like my mother-in-law still has a green card. She doesn't have, she's not a U.S. citizen. What? Yeah. I, I mean, they don't issue those anymore. She's got a permanent green card. Wow. She is a, Nor- my, my mother-in-law is a Norwegian citizen. My wife is dual. Um, she, my wife was patient and helped me, ex- help explain to me and help me understand that um, it's really common in European cultures that Christmas Eve night is a much bigger deal than Christmas morning. Now, Christmas morning, they typically have, in in, in uh, the part of Norway that they're from, um, it would be, you know, like little toasts and and like almost open-faced sandwiches with with um, locks and, uh, well, pickled herring and, and um, not so much lutefisk, but pickled herring and, and the locks and, and the roe. Oh, and, I never understood lutefisk. It's rotten fish soaked in lye. Yeah. Um, in lye. In lye, yeah. <laughs> Right. They went away. Yeah. Yuck. So long. Yeah. But anyway, um, so it was, it was like, oh, and, and, and once I understood that, I actually kind of like, oh God, I'm sorry, dad. Um, I never quite understood. So um, anyway, so you've got your family tradition. That's cool. I'm excited yeah. for you. I am. I, it's, it's a nice relaxing tradition. Good. There's nothing too much involved. Yeah. You just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, um, Seeing the kids growing up every year is is awesome. Yeah, watching how they change, getting together with everybody and feasting and mm-hmm. having a good time—it's what it's all about. Yeah, um, I'm just glad that I have that life now mm-hmm. instead of the life that I had before Christ. Right, it sucked. Right. Yeah, because it was all about me. Right. Right. Um, I know we need to kind of wrap this up. Um. That's that uh, that transition mm-hmm. is not something I'm familiar with. I was yeah. raised in a Christ-centered home, and um, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior on April 14th, of 1980. I was five. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never looked back. Yeah. Um, when when I've when I've been at churches that had an altar call, hey, anybody one needs to reaffirm or or recommit, I've never felt that need because I've I've never felt that I 
never away. stepped away. Yeah. I never stepped away. Yeah. I, I haven't, I'm not saying I'm the perfect example of what a Christian should be. I've made deci- you know, some poor judgment decisions. <laughs> right. But, but when I made the decision, I would, yeah. would stuck there. Right. I stayed. That was my yeah. place. That was my home. Right. Right. Yeah. I didn't have to go to re. Well, I haven't yet had to go to reaffirmations or right. anything like that. It was just, this is my home. Right. You know, I know I'm not a person of this earth. My home is in heaven. Right. And I get it. Yeah. I knew I've gotten it from like, I knew I just needed to understand it better in the sense that sure. I had been surrounded by people who knew Jesus and knew God. Mm-hmm. But it was just a matter of it clicking into my head and my sure. heart and understanding how it's supposed to work. We all have our own walk. Yeah, man. We all have our own journey. And, and and it's great. I love hearing the perspective of somebody who's been there for a lifer. You know? Well, five years is, to me is a lifer. Well, but. yeah. But, yeah. But let's not forget that this is December. This is Jesus' month. Jesus is the reason for the season. This is the, this is the, he's the superstar of this month. Yeah. Um, I would like to just ask that you don't forget why and absolutely understand that gifts, monetary mm-hmm. things are not going to make up for what we can give each other right. in faith. Correct. Correct. And, and yeah, that's huge. I think that's just the big, the big push for this month. Yeah. You know, um, other than that. I just want everybody to have a really great holiday. Absolutely. A really great Christmas. I don't want to say holiday because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's, you know, at the same time, uh, I, well, it's your podcast. I, for me, for our, our, our Jewish neighbors, mm-hmm. I respect their belief system sure. and, and their traditions and their values. Right. So, so I'm not going to say, be, I think Prager does it, says it so, so very nicely. You know, Prager's, Dennis Prager's Jewish. And, and he says, I don't feel offended when somebody says Merry Christmas because they're genuinely wishing me a Merry Christmas. I just don't happen to celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Hanukkah. Right. Awesome. Great. But can we translate that into Hanukkah? Right? Because right. we're generally saying Merry Christmas. We're saying Merry Christmas. And what are you saying when you say Happy Hanukkah? That's their equivalent of saying Merry Christmas. There you go. So, yeah. So, so yes, for, for, let's all remember that, that, you know, whatever faith we, we cling to whatever belief system we, we cherish, um, gosh, it's about other people and connecting. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, for me, it's trying to connect and be a good example of what it's like to have a, a, a Christ centered life. Maybe one of these days I'll get that right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, the part where they say sanctification is a long process, brother. Yeah. You know, um, we're all working towards the same goal. We're going to learn from each other. We're going to fall. We're going to pick each other up. Yeah, we should be. We should be picking each other up. We should up. be picking each other up. I right. see a lot of failures in the world, <laughs> but those are coming from non-Christ-believing people. And I feel like even Christ-believing people as well. But I feel like it's time to pull up the old girders and go to war and start helping each other out yeah you know let's 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 let this next year be the season where we we've prevail over evil yeah you know that's my goal cool prevail over evil 
Thank you, man. Thank you I so much. I love having you on this show, I love, man. I love being here. I really do. Hey, we could talk for hours. <laughs> we could. We have. We have. We really have. I have to do a patch on this podcast because I had to pee in the middle of it. So You'll it'll be, be fun to work that out. You'll be fine. You can split it up into two or three if you want to. No, no, it. dude. It's rolling. Okay. It's, it's going to be all one podcast. I oh, can't wow. do that to the people. Okay. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, have a good afternoon. You Merry as well. Christmas. Merry Christmas as well. And I hope to, we'll, let's keep doing this if, if as, as long as. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Later. Later.